Get fired up for another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. With filthy mouths and bad attitudes. Featuring Chris. On the streets, he's known as a jackass. Also featuring Parker. Yes, there's no two ways about it. He's super white. And our special guest, Alex. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. Entire production supervised by Bigfoot. Now, let's join the boys for their latest episode. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Real Deal No Sex Spiel. My name is Chris. My name is always is Parker and Alex. We watch Lord of Illusions, not Lords of Illusion, which is why I couldn't find this movie to begin with. I uh, searched for it the wrong way. So it's Lord of Illusions. There's just one Lord, multiple illusions. And it's got Benny from The Mummy. Just parroting the info from last week. Well, y'all been hiding this. We're yeah. Entire life. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you talk about like ends. Wishmaster. You watch it, it ends, you're like, how have I not already seen this 14 times? Yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> this feels like the knowledge my father never passed on to me, you know? The nerve. <laughs> the knowledge you should you make him apologize on. at Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I will be seeing him for Thanksgiving. Maybe I should bring like a... VHS of this or something. Because <laughs> there's no way that's got a Blu-ray release. Oh, anything to eat up an hour and a half. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, before we get into that, Parker, do we have any news? Wouldn't know, buddy. Oh, Couldn't yeah. tell you. <laughs> You've been busy. <laughs> Alright, well, uh, in that case, I guess we should get on to our Jerks of the Week. Oh, fuck. I can't believe you've done this. My Jerk of the Week, I, I guess some of you guys may have heard about Matt Judon. He, uh, some controversy in the NFL uh, world. Everyone seems to ask before Thanksgiving, like, what's your favorite Thanksgiving side dish? Which I think is kind of a stupid question. It's like, I, I don't really think it's very interesting, especially in the context of football. But Matt Judon uh, created controversy when he said that he hates macaroni and cheese. He can't stand it. Uh, I don't think that this is especially controversial. Uh, my dad doesn't like it either. Maybe they've just had bad macaroni and cheese. I'm not going to judge someone. But who I will judge is one McCorkle Jones for saying he doesn't like apple pie. Now, damn it, this is America. We have standards, all right? You wear the red, white, and blue on your uniform. There go the playoffs. We're fucked. There goes the franchise. Again. No one has it harder. I know. I know. I've always said this. Who are your jerks of the week? <laughs> well... As you can tell, I'm feeling a bit under the weather. I'm starting to recover, but things were looking pretty bad for a while, so I tried to make my arrangements. I reached out to make a wish, and they did not give me permission to say it. So my jerk of the week is the entire day. Thanks for nothing. Not even after the interception. It's whatever. It's fine. So, uh... Am I just the only one that read Josh's story about going on a date with a Chinese girl and talking about the Uyghurs? Oh, yeah. Okay, so I read that, too. And I'm sorry, what? I d he did not tell me that. He mentioned, like, yeah, it's kind of sad about, you know, the genocide going on there. And apparently she's just like, you don't have all the facts, okay? <laughs> Why would you even bring it up? I have no idea. This is how he makes conversation. 
why not just go to your tried true? You just talk about B movie, man. That's, that's better. Talk than about that. the movie you just watched, dude. Instead of feeling, yeah, it's pretty fucked up what they're doing over there, right? Yeah, look, dude. Of all the fucking dates that I went on in South Korea, none of them asked me about the Trail of Tears. Okay, he just it <laughs> just doesn't come up. If they did, though, <laughs> I'd have to justify it. I'd have to find some way. <laughs> You know, they're bad people on both sides. So. Yeah. So. It's actually called Manifest Destiny if you look it up, lady. Yeah. Why do you think I'm here? I'm so who, wait, so which one's the jerk of the week there? Is it Josh or the girl? It's Josh. Uh, both sides. We can't know. I'm on, jo- can't know I'm on Josh's story. side. Ultimately, he's right. And uh, <laughs> no, probably still be. The beat. person that brings up genocide <laughs> on a first date is never correct. A real power Ever. move to see, like, hey, is this relationship going to work out? I think, I think it's ballsy. I think it shows, like, you know, he's getting right to the point there. He knows oh, what he oh, wants. Oh, he's biggest alpha, dude? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's Sigma. So. <laughs> a real Sigma male move. Just be like, hey, what's, before you even learn her last name, Jeff, what she thinks about genocide. <laughs> Do you think he had like a translator for it or <laughs> talk into my phone? Fu- hey Siri, what'd she say? Oh jeez, I don't like <laughs> oh, that. Oh, that's at all. bullshit. That's weird. Siri refuses to translate this. It's censored over here. <laughs> my phone shut off. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, in that case, I guess ordinarily we'd get to what we watched recently, but we have some penance to do. Uh, Alex, would you like to explain how this works? Okay, so uh, as many astute listeners know, there was a tie in the NFL last week. And as everyone knows at this point, ties work in a certain way. In in this case, we rolled some dice, and the dice said we all had to punish ourselves, and whoever we agreed punished themselves the best, slash worst, gets seven Dragon Balls. So uh, we each, of our own volition, picked something that we knew we would hate, and decided to bring it to the table, and once we've all discussed what we watched amongst each other, we will decide who is the winner of the Dragon Balls for being the biggest loser. <laughs> okay. Well, who wants to go first? I know I think in, in all of our heads, we all think we watched the worst thing. So every one of us would like to go last as that little capstone on this thing. But we have someone so has to start here. Okay. okay? Well, I have a, I have a way to, that we can that we can solve this, you know, oh, not God. to... Uh, Dice. Not to not to do any spoilers, but let's just bring the game of gamers records for this week into play, oh. and whoever had the worst record can go first. Okay, we'll do that. All right, let's count these up. Uh, Parker has one, two, three, four wins and Uh-oh. five losses. Oh, beans. Okay, all right. It's usually pretty good for this. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, Chris has one, two, three wins. Oh, come one, on! Two, three, four, five, six, seven losses. Don't seem. And I good. have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight wins. Jesus. And three Fucking losses. Christ. <laughs> so it appears that this week Chris is going to be going first. <laughs> All right. Have mercy. All right. Well, you know, there is a very real possibility that you guys watch things that were worse than mine, but uh, I, I just want to let viewers know that we're going to be starting off really, really dark here. Okay? Just fair warning. Trigger warning, content warning, etc. So, remember when James Corden did that flash mob in LA and was in a rat costume and was hip thrusting in front of cars? (laughs) Oh no! no. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, 2021's Amazon special, Cinderella, is a jukebox musical that runs for (laughs) an hour and 51 minutes. 
pull the plug. I'm ready. To go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. Now you may be wondering. Well, we've seen James Corden in a rat costume, so he plays one of the mice. And if you think back to like the Disney one, like the 1951, like the mice weren't really the biggest part of the story there. Like they they sang a couple songs or something, but they're really not that important. And it's the same thing here. He plays like one of the mice, and for the first like. I guess like the first act of the movie, he's just sort of like in the background every once in a while delivering a sick riff on something, which most of them you literally cannot tell if they're jokes. He's just kind of like saying things. Uh, So you're just like, oh, maybe he won't be a big part of this. I did some research. Turns out he was the producer and this was all his idea. His idea was like, yeah, we should bring back Cinderella, isn't it? And uh, they did. Um, Some people have accused this movie of being woke because there are black people in it, which... um, uh, I think this is a little Speaking bit strong. Thanksgiving. Uh, I, I will say... <laughs> Leave that one at home. I, I will say that there is kind of a odd moment. The fairy godmother is played by Billy Porter. And you're just like, oh, well, that's that's fine. Like, men can play women's roles, you know. It's, it's whatever. But it's like, he's not even trying to look like a woman. He's got, like, a beard and a goatee and everything. And he's... I thought he was it's, it's, it, no, Well, there's that. It's I think it's more like a Mr. B. Natural situation. You know, you're just like, what are we doing here? What is going on? British man playing against type by dressing yeah. like a British man. I think, yeah. <laughs> I, think my, I think my biggest thing about it is that he's very clearly ripping off RuPaul's voice. And I'm just like, come on, don't do that. Just, yeah, I don't know. It just kind of bugged me. Uh, this stars, who does this have? Uh, Miniature Driver is in this. Uh, Pierce Brosnan is in it. He's the only person I like because he plays the king of the kingdom and at one point he says that he wants his son to marry a noble woman or something like that because then he'll gain control of like this area that has a sea monster in it and i was like wait where's that show that go go to the next part so i guess i have to yeah dude i'm waiting for cinderella too so i can see pierce brosnan and the sea monster but uh we don't uh, don't. points here on the scorecard Okay. Let's see. Let's see if I can get it back. Let's see. Idina Idina Menzel is in it, and uh, so are her cheekbones, which are uh, skull-like. Who else is it? I don't remember who plays the lead role because she's an actress whose name I'm never going to remember. Um, The most important thing here is James Corden gets more and more of a role as the movie progresses. let me see. So there are like three worst moments, uh, top three worst James Corden moments. Oh yeah, at one point James Corden is a mouse, right? But the fairy godmother, ish, transforms him into a man, so he could be like one of the footmen for um, Cinderella. Parker footman is not an actual job these days. Sorry. Uh, he uh, at one point he's telling his other mice men friends that wow, being a human is so amazing. It's so cool how you pee out of your front tail. So, James Corden talks about his penis and how pee comes out of it in this one. That's one. Uh, (laughs) James Corden also... uh, I think we've all seen this scene, but uh, at one point he's... um, When he's transformed into a man, you know, clock strikes midnight, you turn back into a mouse. But only his body turns into a mouse and his head stays the same size. And he's literally just screaming at Cinderella in her face like this. And it's kind of a horrifying image, it, uh, it, and it just stays on that like shot for a long time, and you're just like, oh god, what has happened to me? There's other things, but something really bothered me here, and I'll just put it like this. Uh, so like I said, this is a jukebox musical. They play like real songs that people know. Not Some original songs in there as well, I, I wish they didn't, but also some songs that 
people know, like uh, Material Girl, uh, Somebody I Love, Seven Nation Army for some fucking reason. And uh, there is like, when they put that one in there, like you start thinking just like, are you fucking serious? Why the fuck are you doing this? (laughs) Uh, But they also play at one point the song uh, Shining Star. Now you guys know Shining Star, right? It's yeah, it's like that funk song by Earth Wind and Fire. It's it's pretty good. I I happen to like this song, so it's it's a lot of fun. Great funk. Anyway, uh, they sort of mix things up. Uh, they have uh, Billy Porter singing it, and the lead actress again, whose name escapes me, is doing like this sort of counterpart uh, in the background, and it goes to this part where James Gordon just has to join in. So I'm going to play it for you guys. It's only about thirty seconds. So, uh, it's not real. You recorded that yourself. So, that actually happens. (laughs) And the move, and the movie again is practically two hours long. So, um, yeah. What did you guys watch? (laughs) (laughs) Parker, go ahead. Well, we here on the show are big fans of the military and supporting our freedom. Do you know who else fought for our freedom back in the day? The horses? Have you won Larry the Cable Guy? Oh, no. In a film called Delta Force. Oh, no. What? (laughs) What? What if I told you that Larry the Cable Guy, Bill Ingvall, nobody's favorite person from the Blue Collar Comedy (laughs) Tour, and also DJ Qualls with the worst mustache you've ever seen, they're on the weekend reserves. But mean old Sergeant Keith David's telling them, hey, suit up. We're going to Fallujah for some reason. (laughs) So they hop in the cargo plane. And they just get dumped out and land in Mexico. Now, it's funny because Mexico also has deserts. So they don't realize they're in Mexico. This lasts for half of the movie. It's them just walking around pointing at Mexicans and asking if they're Iraqis. Over... (laughs) And over and over again, he points out a Mexican man and says he's a Red Dot Indian, not a Tomahawk Indian. Thank you, Larry. In case you're wondering, Larry's character is named Larry. That way you know who he is. We don't want anyone to get confused. The trumpet player? (laughs) (laughs) No, the racist. You see, uh, their friend is dumb and doesn't know that they're called Kurds or Shiites, so he asks if they're turds or shitites. <laughs> I have been sick. Josh will love this. The yeah. entire week. <laughs> Woke up early to watch this. <coughs> Sorry we made fun of your game, Josh. Uh- <laughs> such bangers as, oh, I can't believe you guys have tacos in Iraq. And so on and so forth. Halfway into the movie, we finally realize, wait a second, we're in Mexico. He realizes this by running outside. Someone calls him Gringo, and then he sees children hitting a pinata. And that's when he realizes it's not actually Iraq. 
2003, baby, is a good time to be alive. Oh, man, that was 2003? <laughs> now, now, you're probably Well, what's the plot now? Great question. Uh, this little Mexican town is being uh, taken over by a group of banditos led by a man named Carlos Santana. What? The singer? No, don't worry. You'll hear that joke 18 times. Oh. You better believe it's played by Danny Trejo. Well, now, you know, at least you get a good actor in there. The scene that follows is my trump card in this competition. Because we get a demonstration of how ruthless he is. So, uh, you know, him and his men are all sitting in a little arena. And they're bringing in people to perform for him. And so it says, oh, we grabbed this guy from the hotel. And in walks Jeff Dunham. In that oh, no. fucking jalapeno. Oh, okay, puppet. hold up, hold up, hold up. This is supposed to be fair, right? This game was supposed to be fair. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> this has been the worst week of my life. <laughs> How did you find this? I knew about this. I just assumed it already got assigned. Oh. <laughs> After he made me watch fucking Health Inspector, I put this on the list. I'm like, I'm gonna get this motherfucker back. <laughs> but now, uh, you mutual destruction to it. Right, yeah. yeah. We'll never have to watch this again without the Manicor's permission. <laughs> 45 more minutes of just hey guys we have to spread democracy and it not being ironic in any way shape or form and the movie ends with a fucking blooper gag with a giant this movie is dedicated to our brave men and women of the armed forces while Danny Trejo is speaking through a puppet jalapeno it's one of the darkest things I've ever seen in my life dude. one of the most wretched look it wasn't two hours but also if it was I would not okay, be here. Okay, get down. That's, you know, it's fair. <laughs> you know, everyone's got specific criteria. But this movie did, in fact, have Jeff Dunham in a Hawaiian shirt. And I feel like that should count for something. <laughs> How many also, songs Billy Falls Wife is voiced by Lisa Lampanelli. Just throwing it in that curveball. Voiced by? How? Oh, is she... oh no. Bill's, his character is that uh, he hates his wife. That's his entire bit. So he, this is why it's very domineering. So he calls home, and then you just hear Lisa Lampanelli's stupid fucking voice screaming through the phone on about 12 <sighs> different occasions. Oh my god. <laughs> Repetition is important in comedy. That sounds like fun. It's, you know, hopefully you get to find out one day. Parker, how long was, how long was this? Uh, I think it was a tight 90 with credits. Right, yeah, probably. If it was a minute longer, I would have found something else. Alex, what'd you watch, buddy? Alright, well, uh, I'm gonna take this in a little bit more of a serious direction for what I watched, because, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're pretty glib on this podcast, we make a lot of jokes, you know, I, I don't think any of us, or hopefully anybody listening, has a problem with that, but there are, you know, a lot of tragedies that go on in this world every day, a lot of which get forgotten by time, and a lot of which, you know, you know, maybe don't get the focus they deserve, especially from the, the national media, so, uh, I watched an NFL game, Week 1, 2008, Chiefs against Patriots. Um, Patriots, of course, coming off losing to the Super Bowl um, to the New York Giants. And coming off an 0-4 preseason where Tom Brady didn't play at all because he had a foot injury. So, fast forward a bit. We're in the first quarter. You know, a lot of people don't realize this, but uh, this was a really, really well-constructed team. And when Bernard Pollard came off left tackle, not Matt Light's fault, by the way. Like, Matt Light picked up his man. Uh, Pollard came around the edge, 
you know, he's got a reputation as a dirty player. You know, many people say that about him. But uh, unfortunately, you know, the greatest quarterback in NFL history, who the media wrongly at this point had not yet crowned, you know, because they just, they really just can't stand our, I'm kidding, I didn't actually watch this game. <laughs> that was going a bit longer than I was hoping for. <laughs> the most upset I've ever seen him. <laughs> God. Stop to my smile behind my hand there. Uh, what I actually watched. You thought you were going to get me with that Matt Light shit, too. <laughs> People don't remember that the Chiefs are also playing with their backup quarterback in that game because Brody Coyle, Croyle was mercilessly taken out on a sack and Damon Hewitt had to come in the game. Connection with Tom Brady there. <laughs> After forget. which he, com- he, completed, <laughs> he completed a 68-yard pass to DeVar Darling after Delpha O'Neal fell down. Oh, God, what these names. Oh, I remember too many names. <laughs> um, no, what I actually watched was not one, but two seasons of the Control-Alt-Delete animated series. Holy shit. Now, what? Okay, so I did not know this existed. And also, for context, these episodes are like five to eight minutes each, so it was about three hours worth of content okay. so you know i wasn't gonna blow everybody out the doors with yeah i spent 24 hours watching tim buckley's comedy <laughs> uh, um so they they are a live or not live but animated voiced series of uh your favorite characters from the webcomic control alt delete if i see now this, uh, I feel like i've seen like a, a snippet or something Go now on. you might you might know that uh control alt delete is a video is a webcomic about video games in which our main character, Ethan, is a huge gamer. Would you like to guess what his personality trait is in this series? Huge gamer? Yeah, that's it. It's literally all he does. All he does is just be an enormous piece of shit to everyone in his life. (laughs) And, uh, like, there are are several episodes that are just about his convoluted plots to uh, get out of going to his job at fake GameStop so he can play video games. That is the central conflict of everything that happens in this series. Now, you might be hearing this and thinking, oh, that's not that bad. You know, we've all dealt with gamer humor. It's whatever. And that's what I thought, too, after the first couple episodes. I was like, man, you know, maybe this is maybe this is a bust. Maybe this is just regular bad. And then I get to season one, episode five, titled Shorts. So now, you see, Tim Buckley fancies himself a comedian. So he's put together a package of little vignettes, little jokes that he has animated for this show that, um... You know, I guess we as the viewer are supposed to love. We have one where a guy goes AFK in his video game when he's healing, and so his friend dies. So his friend comes in real life and cuts him in half with an axe. That's the whole joke. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, that's the control delete I remember. Yeah, there is a there is a joke where the chef from the Muppets oh, chases chef. Ethan around, <laughs> like. I uh, no. I don't I don't know what the joke is, but uh, that happens. Um, th- I guess there's some Swedish guy that likes to yell and and like just talk about like fucking death and doom and shit and like that's what oh, gets and like wait is that like the Chef Brian thing? Because I remember there was like a Chef sure. Brian character and he would talk about he would he was just like the random like penguin yeah. of doom sort of thing. Yeah, well, that's basically what it was. So I'm going to assume that's yeah. who it was. Yeah. Um, so that, so that, that really put a sour taste in the mouth. I'm like, well, surely, you know, from here, you know. 
it's only one episode of shorts. It's not like I'm going to have to keep putting up with this. And then you're watching more, and it's him being a terrible uh, fiancé and a terrible roommate and a terrible person. And, like, doing dumb things, like getting locked in the bathroom and not being able to get out. And then there's a huge castaway riff where he's stuck in the bathroom. And then we get to the three-parter that ends season one, which is a Star Wars spoof. <laughs> you see, the evil Darth Vader stand-in, Jack Thompson, is trying to oh, ban bro. video games. <sighs> so he gets trained by the old man next door of how to defeat Jack Thompson with facts and logic, or fucking something. Who oh my knows? god. The old man next door is a Dennis Prager. <laughs> it might as well be. <laughs> they have they have a fight at GameStop where he where Ethan gets hit in the hand and it's like, "Ow, ow, you hit me in the hand with a video game." Because you know, like Luke Skywalker loses his hand, and then we find out oh, yeah. who the Emperor is. Would you like to guess who the Emperor is in our little fucking comedy series? Well, it could have been Anita Sarkeesian because this came out a little too early for that. Uh, right gender first... though. Think bigger. Is, is it a is it a the WNHL goalie? <laughs> <laughs> it's not Hillary Clinton, right? It is of course Hillary Clinton. I thought you were supposed to watch something oh, bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's, yeah, you fucked up the order too. I'm gonna reorganize this so I go last. <laughs> Hillary Clinton as Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> That's fun. It is just riff after riff, gamer joke after gamer joke. And Did Hillary try to the... ban video games or something? I don't remember. That. Who fucking cares? Yeah, I'm trying to get the link here. I'm trying to try to square the circle here. I don't remember Hillary trying to ban video games. I don't either. It is. I thought Joe genuine. Lieberman did that. Sorry. And then, like, to the first season's credit, it's at least ostensibly just about this fucking dumbass like trying to kill his roommate so we can get more gamer time and stuff. And like him trying to get out of cooking dinner for his fiance because he wants to game more. And then we get to the second season, where there's just that, but with a million more pop culture references. Oh, hey, you want to see a, uh, a two-minute commercial inside a seven-minute animated episode for the hit new Fox reality series where Paris Hilton gets the shit kicked out of her by hockey players? <laughs> That's funny, right? <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah sounds we get good, it. actually. <laughs> there's, like... <laughs> there's, uh... There's a Mr. Clean domestic violence joke. I'm, uh... I'm just gonna Robot use... chicken? What the fuck is this? It, it might as well be at this point. Like, the one time they fucking prank call him when he's at work and tell him there's a zombie apocalypse, and he's stupid, so he falls for it. That's the entire joke for seven minutes. Literally, that's... A, there's not even, like... An attempt at humor. It's just a stupid guy freaking out because he thinks there are zombies. Uh -huh. Um, we uh, we get we get an uh, MMORPG themed episode where the party's out doing stuff, and Ethan's like, "But I don't have any gold, and I want to buy stuff, so I have to go on quests." But they need adventurers to go on their quests, so they have an American Idol spoof, complete oh. with medieval Simon Cowell, who gets knifed in the middle of uh saying something by the rogue because you know it's funny when the 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 things that normie's like you know no it's not okay so i just want to say tim buckley's like really brave for trying to make not only a com a webcomic but also a webcomic tv show when he has no ideas 
He just doesn't Literally have nothing. any there. ideas. He just goes up there, puts pencil to paper. I don't know. Whatever comes immediately to mind. And nothing comes to mind. You know, he doesn't think about anything. He doesn't have any ideas. He just, this is what I got, guys. You know, advertisers, help me out here. I am, I am not going to hurt everyone's ears and feelings by going episode by episode. However, I will talk about the trilogy that closes the series. You see... Ethan loves playing video games. He loves video games. But also, he has to go to his job at the video game store. And he oh. hates working, because he could be playing video games. So he invents a cloning machine and clones himself. But the clone is evil. And now there's two Ethans running around, and nobody knows who the real one is. Would you like to know how he tricks the clone into revealing himself? Is it with a video game? He leaves a note in the closet that says, I discovered that I have magical powers. So I teleported away to go get cake. I'll be back later. So the clone's like, oh man, I want cake. And then leaves to go get cake. And then they come back later in front of his fiance. And he's like, see, you don't want to know how you can tell that I'm real? Because uh, the other guy fell for the cake. And all gamers know the cake is a lie. It's from Portal. I mean, I'm going to take another NyQuil and just head to bed. <laughs> <laughs> so, I am not in a state of mind yeah. hearing this. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> Alex, a uh, question here. I, I feel like I've seen, like, one or two of these episodes or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, back on ETI, I actually had a running topic going where I was trying to comment on every single one of the uh, comics. One guy sent me a death threat because I said I didn't like World of Warcraft. Um, nice. So I stopped. So I oh, stopped sorry. doing the topic. I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> "It's all right, God will forgive." The bridge. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. I think I saw one of these. I think, if I remember correctly, you had fucking horrendous animation. Is that correct? Yeah. The uh, it doesn't look good. It actually kind of yeah. looks like Rocket Power: The Lost Episode. <laughs> which, oh, which I got a lot out of. Dude, you really should have let off with this. You just watched easily the least worst one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess I learned my lesson, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, shall we ask the Manticore who uh, who who wins? I guess. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys think? I look. I, I I know we're coming from a place of bias, and I know we all. Right, you can't suffer. vote for yourself. How about that? Oh, you got to vote for right. somebody that's not you. Okay. Uh, I have to go with Parker. Parker seems like a lot harder to watch than yours. Yeah, if I had a gun to my head, I'm not ever, ever watching a live-action Cinderella. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the gun is in my hands now. (laughs) All right. Well, uh... Hmm. Man. Man, these are both absolutely miserable. Chris, you said an hour 50-something? An hour 51. And Parker, you said the puppet guy? Yeah, Jeff Dunham, live and in person. Jalapeno on a stick. Isn't that fun? But you see, they're in Mexico, so they're they're upset. It's it's culturally appropriate. But you know what? Back then, we could all just laugh at each other, okay? It's not like like today. These fucking pussies can't take a joke about a jalapeno (laughs) on a stick. You know, I couldn't make a movie like this today. Yeah. All right, I I, I gotta go with Jeff Dunham. I have to go with Jeff Dunham here. I knew he'd be my ass in the hole. Disagree, I, uh, but alright. That's unfair. Hey, you want to find out? I'm going manticore hunting. Do you want to call this yeah. I'm going manticore hunting with my with the redneck comedy crew. I mean, you can call this bluff, but your team's won three games. Let's let's yeah. anything's possible. <sighs> oh, boy, let me go well, ahead and update this uh you know what? You know what? The manticore's 
he feels like everybody, you know, went for the spirit of the rule. So Parker's going to get his seven Dragon Balls, but the <laughs> others of us are going to get two each. So you know, I loss. Yeah, they're not participation trophies; they're pity trophies. So exactly, <laughs> call them what they are. Well, let's get wow. on to what we watched. <laughs> I, I watched a lot of movies. I'm gonna have to skip over some of these because um, I, I want to save time. Some of these episodes have been going really long, um, and editing them is a bitch. Well, I went to the Alamo Draft House, and I was one of the only people in the theater to see Bubba Hotep, which has Bruce Campbell in it and uh, some other people. Bubba Hotep is a movie that, on its face, you're just like, "Oh hell yeah, I gotta go see this." He plays Elvis Presley. And uh, an aged Elvis Presley with a non-functional dick. And he's in a retirement home, and suddenly he has to fight a mummy. And you're just like, okay, yeah, I'd pay for that just on its face. Have either of you guys seen Bubba Hotep? Somehow no, considering, you know, okay, smell. I mean, that's the same thing with me. It's just like, I'm a huge... Oh, the small thing, sure. But, like, I'm a huge <laughs> fan of Bruce Campbell. And I was like... Everyone's telling me, dude, you gotta go see Bubba Hotep. I'm like, okay, I'll get around to it eventually. I figured might as well see it in the in the theater, you know. Uh, one Before I get into whether this was good or bad, and obviously I, I liked it, look at me. Uh, speaking of looking at people, this movie had, at the very end of the movie, they had one of those, not really live, it had to be pre-recorded because of COVID, things with the director of the movie... Uh, Bruce Campbell, who has aged very gracefully, I must say, and Kumail Nagiani, who has aged very, very poorly. Can we... Also known as... <laughs> that dude. He looks so... Something happened to Kumail's face, okay? Maybe it was the steroids, but something happened to his face. It, it is... was having to stand by and watch all the atrocities that humanity commits. While yeah, maybe uh, that was it. Maybe it aged him up or something like that. It is a disaster right there. The infrastructure I mean... bill is going right to fixing that face. I watched seven seasons of Silicon Valley. His face didn't fucking look like that in there, let me tell you. I know, dude. I believe you. Something's going on. Anyway, so as soon as the credits uh, finished and that face popped up, I was like, no! And I went to the bathroom and I left. So I I didn't get to hear them talk about whether the movie was good, but... The movie was surprisingly deep. The movie was, it's really more about what aging is and the effect and people losing their love for you over time and losing your purpose in the world. And I thought that it was actually kind of touching. So Bubba Hotep is uh, also Bruce Campbell's best performance by like a mile or two. He's really putting in his, his all into this one. Is, does he do as good of an Elvis impersonation as Kurt Russell does? I'd say yes. And that is extraordinarily high praise. Uh, it's very, it's very, very funny, which you could kind of guess that with the premise, but you also end up kind of loving the characters and you want them to succeed and you want the best things to happen to them. So, uh, surprisingly very well written, surprisingly very well acted. Uh, it's very visually low budget and that's not really a problem because like, look, the stuff that we've seen, but I mean, even with all that, like you kind of feel like the movie itself is an underdog. So I highly recommend Bubba Hotep. For genuine reasons. Uh, I'm going to consolidate the next three. I watched <laughs> three movies from the list from 1972. And they all have wow. Peter and they all have Peter Cushing in them. <laughs> uh, one, of them is called, <laughs> one of them is called Horror Express. And it has Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing on the same side. Uh, which, that's pretty much all that you need. This is actually uh, an adaptation of Who Goes There? The uh, Joseph Campbell novel, or uh, short story that was the inspiration for The Thing. And you're watching, you're just like, oh, they're doing the thing, but on a train. 
and there's Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. This is all I've ever needed in my life. It's actually pretty good. So uh, kudos to this one being uh, the best of the three that I watched. The other two are um, uh, anthologies. One of which is just called Asylum. I don't like it very much. Yeah, you... I think you had a little bit more for it than I did. Um, I'm a sucker for those, though. But I also watched the uh, 1972 adaptation of Tales from the Crypt. Uh, I didn't really need this. This one, I thought, functioned very, very poorly. I do like the fact that it led uh, people into watching the the Crypt Keeper one, which I, I love the one with the Crypt Keeper. The TV series on HBO is fantastic. That's one of the best TV shows ever made. This movie wasn't really that good to me uh peter cushing does a good job in his one role but everything else in there it's like i get it morality tale but there's really no room for humor or anything it's not particularly scary very very dry and british yeah that's that's a problem for me much like their food anyway i uh i didn't like it very much now the next one i'm somehow going to be able to keep very short this is one of the best movies i've ever seen in my life uh it's a movie from 1973 called serpico and it stars al pacino I, I fucking love this movie. I really do. Uh, I might get my brother the book or something in case he feels like reading. And uh, it's it's shot very, very well. It's written very well. It's it, The action's good. I, I love it. It's, it's kind of like a thriller, not a horror. And I, I just love it. It's so good. But here's the biggest problem with Serpico, and here's why I'm not going to be able to talk about it very much. Uh, Parker, uh, gamble a dragon ball on this would you like to guess what nickname they call serpico throughout the entire movie oh, fuck i used to know this god damn it fuck. i don't remember what is it they call him paco throughout the entire movie <laughs> 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 and they don't stop so guess what I'm, <laughs> that's what i'm watching the entire time i'm watching this fucking movie <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah serpico a real life hero paco a real life fat ass so uh the next movie i watched is um <laughs> the next one this is a weird one this is one that like i feel like i'm the only one who's a hosting this podcast and b like a listener of the podcast i'm the only one who's heard about this but i've heard about it a lot this is called the Pinchcliffe grand prix and it's a movie from i guess in the netherlands or something i think it's from norway I think it's from Norway. And it's a stop-motion movie, and it's about a race. And you think, okay, that sounds pretty simple. This movie was... Okay, so it came out in 1975, right? And I think until, like, 2003, every single day of the year, between 1975 to 2003, this movie was playing in a theater somewhere in the world. And that is an incredible streak. And I'm like, wow, that... Maybe this is really good. Let's let's see what's in it. And uh, it's pretty imaginative. It, this was apparently based on a number of illustrations that the main guy did, and he tried to turn it into something, and people said no. He's like, okay, what if I turn it into a movie and make it all stop motion? They're like, it's Norway. We don't have rules. Go ahead. Do that. So he did, and there's like a cute little sidekick penguin, like Evangelion, and uh, some old guy, and he wants to make a race car, and he wants to drive it along, and it's, it's an interesting story, and you're kind of like, oh, I, I hope this guy wins. Then we get to the big race, right? This is the most exciting race I've ever seen in a movie, period. I was on the edge of my seat. I'm not kidding. I was so into it. And then I found out, after uh, watching the movie, doing a little bit of research, this movie was the main inspiration for the pod racing scenes in episode one. So I can definitely see it. Now, this doesn't mean I want to go back and rewatch The Phantom Menace, 
God, yeah, no. Mm -hmm. No, no. But... Uh, what did the dice I'll, say? No. Anyway... Oh. I would, I would highly do an episode. I would highly recommend. <laughs> I would highly recommend uh, both of you watching this one. Uh, you'd be like, okay, it's kind of cutesy. When it gets to the race, you're gonna be like, holy shit, this is really good. This takes a tremendous amount of talent to do in stop motion. And one of the other cool things about it is it kind of looks like everything works here. Like it really looks like those are real engines built out of like their stop motion stuff. So uh, that was actually a really good time. The Pinchcliffe Grand Prix, very very odd movie, but uh, I ended up loving it. Uh, ne next one I'm going to skip. That one I have nothing to say about. Um, then uh, this was like uh, I don't. I'm not trying to get like extra credit for the Manticore, but I my initial <laughs> idea, my initial idea for uh, the uh, the penance thing was to watch more movies from that uh, 50 uh, westerns my brother got me DVD set. Oh, no. Let me read off some of these fucking things. Angel and the Bad Man from 1947. To the Last Man, no, 1933. <laughs> the Fighting Westerner from 1935. King of the Cowboys from 1943. Hands Across the Border, 1944. Get Along, Little Dogies, 1937. The Cowboy and the Indians from 1949. So one of these had John Wayne. Oh boy. More of them had Gene Autry, and more of them had Roy Rogers. Now, you may be wondering, who the fuck are those latter two guys? I think I got diarrhea at one of those restaurants. No, no, no. These were the singing cowboys. They would sing songs. Oh, you, no. In fact, this you've all head. heard uh, Gene Autry's voice, because he's the original guy who sang uh, the Here Comes Santa Claus song. That's him. He's the guy who did that. And also, Get Along Little Dogies and other stuff like that. These movies are difficult to endure so i have to admit they're kind of they're kind of like the background noise for me when i'm like working and i just kind of look up every once in a while and just sort of grimace and that makes me focus back more on my work uh those that movies hurt now uh sorry did you have some no no i was oh, complimenting sorry. the tech of having the only other option being something that's way worse than doing work right right yeah yeah so uh Back to the assignments, because uh, every once in a while I do like to do my homework. I watched American Hustle. This one was assigned by Alex. <laughs> now, initially, I put this on, and I was just like, why did Alex assign this? What's uh, what's going on? Then I thought about it. I was like, directed by David O. Russell. Oh, where do I know him from? <laughs> oh, I think I mentioned on the podcast that he... Uh, that I didn't like him very much because he would, there was that clip, there was like that viral clip from, I think, I Heart Huckabees where he was like berating one of his actresses. I was like, man, that guy sounds like a jerk. And it turns out that behind the scenes for American Hustle, yeah, David O. Russell's an asshole. This guy fucking sucks. Uh, but I was like, wow, that's really American Hustle, this one? And then I like press play on it. Two hours, 13 minutes. I'm like, oh, maybe that's why he assigned it. No, no, no. Wrong on all t on both of those fronts. I think I know the real reason Alex assigned this. Jeremy Renner and his wig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That you have to give me a warning. Okay. I, was, I wasn't ready for that. Happens in the first five minutes. You know that, right? Like I'm looking like what the fuck. <laughs> So, have either of you watched this illustrious film? Jeremy Renner. I, I saw it, like, when it came out. So, it's oh, a ghost that. in my memory. All I remember is really, really, really hating it. Yeah, well, apparently a lot of people disliked it, but I think they mostly disliked it because it got nominated for, like, ten Academy Awards. 
So I guess 2013 was a pretty weak year for movies, because uh, it's not very good. Um, I actually thought it was enjoyable enough. I was just like, fine. Uh, everyone's main comment is, oh, this is just Diet Scorsese. And I keep trying to tell people, like, look, if you're going to rip someone off, you might as well rip off someone good. Uh, which is what David O. Russell tries to do. I have to admit, it is definitely a real slap in the face to David O. Russell to say that he's just ripping off another director, but uh, that guy deserves a slap in the face or two. Um, yeah. This movie is marketed as a comedy. Uh, there are very, very, very few funny moments in this yeah, movie. Yeah, imagine my surprise. <laughs> what is this hair? Dude, can you imagine... Can you imagine me seeing every Polito? Yes, Carmine Polito, and they keep calling him that. That's a that's a real life thing. So actually, this movie is worse if they called yeah. him Paco. Yeah. So this movie this movie is actually based on like a real life event. It's uh, the FBI was involved with the scam artist. They were just like, oh, wait, maybe we could get more people. Hey, if we can nail some elected officials, it'd be good for our reputation or something like that. And it all backfired because uh, institutional incompetence. But uh, the real thing about this movie is apparently the story was changed in some moments because uh, David O. Russell said that he was going for a lot of improvisation. And Christian Bale, the lead actor in the movie, says, uh, you know, if you improvise so much, the, the, the story's going to kind of change, you know? And David O. Russell told him, I'm not interested in the story or the dialogue. I'm interested in the characters. And that's, that's a legitimate interest. Unfortunately, the characters in this movie suck ass. Uh, which is a shame because you have pretty good actors here. I love Christian Bale. I think he's a very good actor. Uh, th there's just not much for him to do here. Uh, there's who else is in this? Um, Amy Adams is in it. I think she's all right. Uh, in this movie, she really doesn't do much. Bradley Cooper is in this movie, and uh, Bradley Cooper has he he's like the wild FBI agent and there's no way to work in his Bradley Cooper charm. I don't know if anyone's ever been worse miscast in a movie. Uh, who else is in this one? Oh yeah, Jennifer Lawrence is in here. So I want to talk briefly about Jennifer Lawrence. Um, there was a point in time where she was like queen of the world. She was like the ultimate, every guy's fantasy. She was the girl next door. She was so hot. All the girls wanted to be her. All the guys wanted to be with her. And I never got it. She was just never my type. And I watched her in this movie, and that still applies, but I gotta tell you, she's actually a really good actress. I will give her a lot of credit. I thought she was really good in this, so maybe I should see more of her movies. I think that she's extremely talented. Uh, just oh, as like, You should see Passengers, buddy. Uh, well, except oh, for that's, that one. That's no. a diabolical assignment. Yeah. Maybe we'll that's what a, the Manicore says. No. Anyway. Uh, well, at least we don't know who won all the games this week. So, here's a... <laughs> so, American Hustle... Uh, I don't think it, it obviously it doesn't work as a comedy. And even as a story, I think it goes a little too fast. Like, even Goodfellas was, like, as fast as a bullet, but that thing has three hours, so it has time to work. And you want every second of those three hours. With American Hustle, you're kind of like, look, I need a lot more to this. Like, I really need you to, like, show me what you're trying to accomplish here. And I, it just doesn't work for me. Like, I, I had, like, I didn't have a terrible time watching it, but I could have had a way better time. Excuse me while I sneeze. Nothing. Oh. Okay. Sorry. Dab on us. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna sneeze and dab. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so you gotta, yeah. You gotta get it in the elbow, dude. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, back to the land of the rising sun. I watched a, an anime called Apocalypse Zero. Now this movie begins with a three-year hellquake. 
And, I'm, dude, not even making that up. And you're like, oh, wow, maybe this will be good. Guys, don't watch Apocalypse Zero, okay? So one warning. That you're, you, you don't want to watch this one. This one's uh, that's a, bit, that's a bit much. <laughs> this is from one of those uh, lists we found on Letterboxd. It's just like, oh, all those grimy VHS Letterboxes. Don't show them to kids sort of thing. Dude, don't show this to anyone, okay? This one's really fucking embarrassing. This is, uh, like, it looks really shitty. Like, bad art right off the bat. You're going to lose some points. But this is way too gory and way too I'd say sexualized like there I wouldn't even go so far as to say that there's sexual assault in here like maybe I guess you could make an argument but that's not even like the point like it's the sexualization is just so overt and over the top that you're just like kind of embarrassed to be looking at it uh it doesn't make a point about anything I guess the only thing you could say is like there may be an element of like satire or social commentary because Every once in a while, these grotesque things will do, like, a cutesy anime pose. I'm just like, maybe they're trying to, like, comment on how uh, Japan at this point... Because this came out in 1996. Japan at this point was really into, like, the fetishization of violence in their animes and stuff. So I'm like, okay, maybe you have a point there. But it's still fucking shitty. So I didn't like this one, Sam I Am. Uh, And I wish I didn't watch it. Uh... I watched a documentary as well. I watched Happy Happy Joy Joy, the Ren and Stimpy story. Boy, and what a story to tell. Uh, This is about one of my favorite shows from Nickelodeon. I happen to love Nickelodeon, so I'll get to a little bit more in a bit. And uh, Ren and Stimpy was one of my favorite shows. It was a really good show. It was really creative. See, back when uh, I learned this when I watched that documentary on Nickelodeon itself called The Orange Years, they were really looking for stuff that would push boundaries. They were looking for what was considered creator-driven cartoons. And that wasn't a thing back then. There weren't creator-driven cartoons. What they had were cartoons that were designed to push a marketing thing. Like, can we get toys? That was what uh, My Little Pony started off as. We were trying to push toys. He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, same sort of thing. And Nickelodeon was like, no, we're not trying to do that. We'll get some marketing out of this. we got to make our money back somehow. But we want creator-driven cartoons. So one of the ones I went to was John Chris Lucy, who invented Ren and Stimpy. And uh, Ren and Stimpy broke a lot of barriers. They they did some very bizarre, eccentric things, and uh, the show was pretty good. Then John Chris Felusi started to reveal himself to be John Chris Felusi. He uh, he was taking way too long to deliver episodes. He was constantly changing them, taking them alone into a room, and redoing drawings or changing things around, putting stuff in there that he knew the network could never allow. Uh, deliberately defying the network and then season two episode one man's best friend i don't know if you guys have seen this episode but even as a huge friend and stimpy fan you can't show that to kids there is a line that one really crossed the line it was way too violent it was like psychotically violent and there is this extremely subtle undertone that uh that john chris Velusi viewed george licker as the network executive so it's like Geez, no wonder, you know, you're getting in trouble here. Then he sent them a memo after they denied that episode and aired something else instead that says, I will no longer obey your uh, your deadlines. I will no longer obey your uh, demanded edits. I am the creator of the show. It's a creator-driven show. You wanted the creator. Now you got him. And they said, you're fired. Owned. So it turns out that's actually the way that works. And uh, he... Yeah, definitely for the best. So it was handed over to Bob Camp, who did a pretty good job with the rest of the show, and uh, Billy West had to do Ren's voice. He did a pretty good job of that. Um, it's a it's a shame. There was a lot of really good stuff on Ren and Stimpy, and uh, then Chuck Chris Felusi got worse. He got worse. Before we even get into the like the elephant in the room, let's talk about like what he tried to do later. He's like, so Ren and Stimpy, he couldn't get Ren and Stimpy back. He couldn't do his own Ren and Stimpy because it belonged to the network. And he couldn't even say, like, I created it because uh, 
the network executive, what was her name, Geraldine something or other, really good woman, by the way, she was one who selected them. It was really a lot of credit to her for picking those two characters. Out of the rest of this other series that he wanted called Our Gang, or, or Your Gang, or, or something like that. So he was like, at least let me have George Licker. They were like, you can have him, dude. <laughs> we don't want this guy. So he made this web series with uh, Johnny the Idiot Boy and, and George Licker uh, and this incredibly sexualized character named Sodi Pop. And it's like really like hard to look at, terrible sound effects, and it's like John Chris Lewis is an incredibly talented artist. That man can draw anything, and I love his drawings, but some of them can get like cringeworthy. They really can. And anyway, that uh, animated web series went nowhere. Then Spike TV, the first network for men, uh, decided, hey, we'll bring back uh, Ren and Stimpy. I remember uh, my dad and I was, what, like 15 or something like that, and they brought back the, the whole thing? No, I was like 13. Oh, oh, I was like 13. I remember adult yeah. party cards. Yeah, it was a Ren and Stimpy's adult party card, too. Not, I, didn't, I, didn't, I, did, I did not watch I Stripperella. Watch Dragon Balls, huh? <laughs> yeah, uh, anyway, I, uh, Dad was like, oh, hey, let's watch Ren and Stimpy. This was just after MXC. So we watched the episode Man's Best Friend, and we were both like, oh, <laughs> Wow, wonder why that didn't air on Nickelodeon. And we decided, we're like, yeah, we don't really feel like watching any more of it. And thank God, because if you've ever seen Reddit Stippy's adult party cartoon, it is horrifying. It's all like the grotesque, like gross out humor with none of the cleverness, none of like the none of the humor, none of the heart. It's just hideous. No charm to be found. <laughs> no charm whatsoever. And it gets worse because. This is a segue. Uh, there's one episode, I thought it was the, the beach one. There's a bunch of nude women in this episode, and their uh, their tits are covered up by, like, soap suds and, like, other oh, stuff God, in there. These these women on the show were, were drawn by an underage girl, okay? And right off the bat, you're just like, oh, great. Uh, to her credit, she is very, very good at drawing sexy ladies. You know who said that? John Chris Felusi, who was grooming her. So... There is a there is a picture floating around on the internet, which I wouldn't suggest people search for. Um, it's John Chris Lucy sitting next to a young girl who, I believe, at the time of the picture was sixteen years old, and she looks about eleven. And it's uh, apparently he was grooming her. They moved in together when she was sixteen. So yeah, that dude's a pedophile, and it is just gut wrenching to hear about. And she wasn't the only one. So it gets worse and worse and worse the more you hear about it. And the you hear him. He's actually on camera interviewed in this documentary. And they ask him to his face, like, what the fuck was up with that? And he goes into detail as to how these things develop. Like, she was sending him letters. He was reading the intent wrong. And he sort of seduced her. And she was kind of buying into it. And it was... There are certain times where you, as a man, need to put your hand up and say, no, no, we're not doing this. I'm way too old for you. And he didn't do that. So this is all his responsibility. Um, you can't just say, oh, well, you know, she wanted something. That's not the way that it works. And it's just so depressing to see because the guy was so creative and so original and so talented. I, like, I really do like his drawings. They're still really fantastic. He did the, the Bjork video, What's a, uh, I Miss You, which is a great video. And yes, Parker, he also did the Fuck Her Gently video from Tenacious D. So uh, got that one Thank for you. you. You're welcome. Uh, this one, it's... I actually kind of love this documentary. I thought this was really good because it talked about everything that I wanted to hear about with this show. It talked about the influence that it had on people. talked about 
the big story between uh, John Christopher Lucy and these underage girls and like and the network itself because the network is important uh the one flaw i guess is that uh they're like trying to I, you know a lot of the time in these documentaries they'll have like an unrelated celebrity people like yeah man i really love super mario brothers man i got like a million points one time well for this one they had bobby lee and uh and jack black <laughs> and jack black talking about the sexualization of ren and stimpy yeah that's what i need in my life uh some criticism that this documentary has encountered. Some people say they didn't go into enough detail with the uh, the John Chris Lucy allegations. Dude, what more do you want? What what more are you looking for? Like they pretty much lay it out on the line what this is. It's it's hard to say, man. Um. Uh, let's uh. Well, well let's change. To, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I want to ask you some real quick. So uh, yeah, growing up, mom was a huge Howard Stern fan. Are you aware of Billy West Pass on that show? I know that he's appeared on the show. I, I've never actually listened to an entire episode of Howard Stern, but I heard like the Beetlejuice stuff, and I've heard some of his interviews, which are I say what you will about Howard Stern, masterful interviewer, just fucking incredible at his job. But I've only heard brief snippets of Billy West going on Howard Stern's show, and every once in a while he'll do like a voice, or he'll say, "This is how I did this voice for the show," or something like that. Well, back when he was like a part-time staff member, that's like my favorite era. But also, you can just go on YouTube and easily find this. There is an amazing segment after John had been fired and Billy was now doing both voices, Rin and Stimpy, mm-hmm. where Howard blindsides him by having him on as a guest to confront him. It's like an hour long. It is one of the most tense things I've ever listened to. I can Billy's believe just it. sitting there uncomfortably like, yeah, but like, I know why, but he's not going to just tell the world that this dude's trying to fuck a 16-year-old. Oh wait! Uh, well, lot. so here's the here's the thing is like that that wasn't why he was fired. Uh, the network well, didn't know about that. Humongous asshole. Yeah, that he was an incredible dick, and part of it is because he was a control freak. And I have to admit, I sort of gravitate to that. I I, I know I could be a bit of a control freak with this podcast, for example. I I want to do the editing. I want to do the sound effects. I want to do the writing and all this other stuff. I want to organize it. I like that control. Frank Zapp is the same way, Harlan Ellison's the same way, Bill Belichick's the same way. I, there's a bit of a control freak in me, and a bit of a control freak of the people that I admire. But there is a point, of course, where it goes too far. I mean, this is just leaving out the uh, the underage girl stuff. Like, just taking other people's work and saying, no, 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 I gotta do it like this, and just redrawing everything. I understand you want your control over that, but deadlines exist in children's cartoons, and you need to understand that. And you also ought to appreciate what the network did for you. And that, that kind of sounds like I'm a bootlicker there, and I don't really care, because it's Nickelodeon, who gives a shit. But, like, kids really, not, not just kids, everyone loved Ren and Stimpy. It was a huge show. But uh, I gotta say this, it wasn't as big as John Chris and Lucy made it out to be, because he says, they can't fire me, I made the network. There were other shows, dude. There were other shows that were pretty big. Like, like Red and Sippy was a, a big hit, but it wasn't the biggest hit, you know? And it didn't even end up coming anywhere near close to matching how big, like, Spongebob was. Like, Spongebob just changed the network entirely. Red and Stimpy was, like, that was pretty good for its time. It wasn't as big as everyone, as he made it out to be, as he seemed to think that it was. Uh... He there's the, the, the same old stuff where he had kind of a rough childhood, kind of a rough upbringing, and he doesn't he really doesn't seem to understand uh, how people interact. He's sort of looking for you know trying to find the way that people properly interact, and that's where his eccentricity comes out. He, I guess he feels like if, if he just acts out that way, then people just view him as the oddball, and he'll have a, a developed role in society. But there's there's got to be limits to things, you know, and I guess he never really found that limit. So. Uh, 
anyway, I I'd recommend watching Red and Stimpy the the show, you know, but uh it I think it's easy for me to separate the work from the artist, but it's it's still like something that you're going to probably have in the back of your head. And this is why we don't get any more stuff from Spumco. So don't think about that anymore. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of uh, depressing, I went on to watch another assignment. This one from Parker. It's called The Invisible Man. And it's from 2020. Uh, this one, uh, have either of you... I think, Parker, you saw this. Alex, have you seen sure. this one? I saw it, yeah. Okay, well, uh, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's about a man who's invisible. So, in this one, uh, Elizabeth Moss is a lead actress. She does a really good job. Um, I just want to say something, maybe just fast forward this here. Uh, after I logged it, uh, I, I love this movie, by the way. I think it's masterful. I think it's borderline perfect. I, uh, I, like, I don't know if there's anything I disliked about this movie. Uh, I saw some reviews on Letterboxd, and I tried not to click it, but I did, and I saw some of the dumbest motherfuckers on planet Earth. People who didn't know why the dog was in the movie. And I'm like, how the fuck do you watch that? You not come away with why the dog is in the movie. How fucking stupid are you gonna be? <laughs> like, I'm not trying to act like I'm the, the... I'm not trying to act like I'm Sean McVay over here. I don't know anything more than anyone else, but, like, I, I know why the dog was in the movie. I'm not that fucking dumb. Uh, anyway, The Invisible Man. Uh, what, what did I like about it? Uh, the camera mo- the camera movements, I really liked that. Uh, the cinematography was great. I thought Lee Wannell did uh, the best thing he's done in a very long time. This is certainly better than Saw, his first work. Uh, the acting is very, very well done. The special effects are uh, spectacular for the studio. Thanks so much, Parker, for assigning me a Blumhouse movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right at the opening. You were so yeah, upset with me. right off the bat, dude. I was in a very, very bad mood. Um I, I will say, you know, a bit of a warning for this. Like, if you've ever dealt with a stalker or a sociopathic uh, ex-boyfriend or girlfriend, this movie might be, uh, I don't know if it'd be a tough watch, but it might bring up some harsh memories or something like that. So uh, j- just a little warning for that one. But otherwise, yeah, The Invisible Man is, if it's not already considered a classic, it'll soon to be a classic. I will say, though, uh, boy, it sure is unfortunate we didn't get this as part of the Dark Universe. Can you imagine fucking fucking uh, Johnny Depp with, like, beakers and graduated cylinders mixing chemicals and, hey, well, I'm gonna get back at my girlfriend. And then he has to, like, argue with Frankenstein and the Lady Mummy. Oh, God, just more Russell Crowe, please. Hell yes, dude. I was thinking about Russell Crowe a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is no way Russell Crowe would be invisible. <laughs> he is visible from space. <laughs> I really want to rewatch that movie. The one thing that stands out is just the soy face I made during that fucking restaurant scene. As I just pointed at the TV and started yelling when that knife just popped. You know, up. that scene was sold to me that it was going to be extremely gory and violent. I was just like, well, not really. It's just a surprise. It is definitely a surprise. Uh, I, I also like the... Um, there, I guess maybe the one thing I didn't like so much about watching it, which is not a problem with the movie, like they're doing this on purpose, is this guy, the Invisible Man, is such a fucking dickhead. This guy is so evil. He's just so, like, like evil in the sense that he's like a, a bully from a Stephen King story. It's just like this guy is, as he's described in here, a sociopathic narcissist. Uh, that you really fucking hate this guy. You really want him to get his comeuppance. That you gotta wait all the way to the end for anything close to that to happen. And I'm just like, oh, come on. I'm just so close here. Just, like, get it for me, right? So, uh, I was happy when it finally happened. Um, there were, like, I guess maybe other little things there, but overall, essentially, to me, a perfect movie. Uh, Alex, did you have any thoughts on it in particular? Probably at some point. They're gone. Oh, 
Sorry. I liked it. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, what else did I watch? I watched uh, one episode of The Wheel of Time, the new Amazon show, which uh, Amazon desperately needs people to watch because they poured a lot of money into this as, uh, as far as I can know. Um, I, I've read two books from the uh, the book series, which is, I think, like 13 books long or something like that. Dan can fact check me on there. And they're all like 800 pages minimum. So oh, just this is, over, yeah, this is, oh. I, I made it through two of them. I was like, yeah, I'll get to the next one eventually. <laughs> I just don't have a lot of time for that stuff, man. But they were good. They were they were pretty good. They're maybe not as good as Lord of the Rings, but still pretty good. And uh, like that, you have to like reach across those and go, am I going to become a Wheel of Time guy or am I just going to tap now? Yeah, that's a good point. My personality. Right, that's a really good point. You know, here's the tech that I found. I've got the first three books all in, like the third one's over there just unread. I think it was called The Hunt Reborn or something like that. And they're all the paperback, mass market paperback, and they're all like from the same like line of the paperbacks. And it's like, oh, they fit perfectly on my shelf over here. I can't find the fourth one unless it's just the right kind. So that's what's preventing me from moving on. (laughs) I just don't want, I don't want my shelf to get fucked up, you know? (laughs) Because it's organized by height, you know? Anyway, uh, just it's, like women. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, uh, so I, uh, so I'm uh, watching the show, and I gotta tell you, it was like a lot different from the book. And I get it. Like you have to change some stuff from the book. Like most people's favorite film adaptations of books change a lot from the book. Like the most watched movie of all time, Wizard of Oz. That's a lot different from the book. One of the best uh, adaptations uh, for like as far as improvement from uh, from page to screen is Forrest Gump. Alex, I know you don't like the movie. The book is so much worse, and the changes re- the the changes really really help it. In this one, I can't tell yet because I'm only one episode in, and it was an hour long. Uh, but I I'm not really sure whether I like this. I, I think it's okay. I this it's kind of reminded me of Harry Potter actually because when I read Harry Potter, I really liked that book series. I was like, wow, this is really good, and I have in my head this conception of what the characters look like and what they sound like and and what their personalities are and then i get to the movies and it's these actors and i'm like that's not what i was thinking of and it just doesn't really fit and i don't like the music and they're a piece of shit and i hate all the movies so sorry parker if that offends you also sorry to joel if that offends him so uh in this one I, i guess it's mostly fine i guess the character playing matt was uh the actor playing matt was pretty good and it turns out he's being replaced in the second season for undisclosed reasons so uh Oops. Uh-oh. And uh, what else is there? Okay, so the main thing that people are talking about is the CGI slash practical effects for the Trollocs, which are kind of like the orcs um, in uh, Lord of the Rings. They're like half orc, but half like some animal head. So it's got like a goat head or a ram's head or an eagle's head or something like that. Like the guy oh. who stormed the Capitol on January 6th. And uh, they mostly look, as far as I can tell, they looked all right. You know, I didn't really mind so much. There's a couple points where you're just like, oh, that CGI is not great. But you're like, Wait, I just care about the action in the scene. I just care about this. As far as the pacing goes, the pacing's maybe a little too fast for me because in the book, like, it's kind of tough to talk about pacing in a book because you're just like, I can stop and I can slow down if I want to. You know, I can be like, okay, I'm getting to know this character. I can spend a little bit more time with him. And it's just like, oh, I encountered Moaning Myrtle. And uh, get to the next part, you know, like that. In this one, they're really expecting, yeah, they're really expecting the viewer to, like, 
really keep up. Like, you got to know, we're trying to do this, this is this, this is this, this is this, etc. So overall, I'm definitely going to continue watching it. I want to know more about what happens. But overall, not the strongest start for me. Uh, but hey, maybe I could reverse my decision. It's kind of tough for me with TV shows because when I sit down and watch them, they're so much longer. They have such a longer runtime than movies that I end up like kind of burying myself in that world. It's sort of hard to pull myself out once I finish that which I encountered because uh, I just finally finished Hey Arnold, the entire series run, all 100 episodes, which was my original background uh, noise while I was working. Yeah, certainly better than the Westerns from 1933. Uh, I got to tell you guys, I'm, I'm rekindled as a Hey Arnold guy. I fucking love this show. This show is fucking great. Maybe the second best uh, Nickelodeon show of all time. Everything works so well in here. The writing is spectacular. And I was reminded why I liked it so much when I was growing up, when I was like six, seven, eight years old, because it would teach me new words. And I'd, I'd ask my dad or go look it up in a dictionary or something like that. And I learned these new words. And I, I really, really like it. I, it's so good. I think I'm surprised to come away with this. Uh, I didn't like her growing up, but now Helga's my favorite character. I thought that... Uh, I guess I can see a lot of myself in her. I, uh, I really identify with her as a character. Uh, hopeless romantic, uh, is really into uh, literature and writing, and uh, wears a pink bow on her head. And Not that one. But, uh, what the fuck sorry. pancakes town? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and her home life is uh, not ideal, although my mom was not an alcoholic, so that's a bit of an improvement right there. And I like guys with football heads, so obviously. Dude, I'm just a thinking lot about there. your dad trying to build a beaver in Boreal now. <laughs> Vintage Nazi beavers. Uh, Son, I've withdrawn all your inheritance. You know the crowds use this. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of crossover between uh, Pete from uh, Goof Troop and Big Bob from Hey Arnold. <laughs> they might be the same character. <laughs> and you're right, Alex. That really is the most New York accent without being a New York accent that I've ever heard. Uh, <laughs> But there's other characters I really like, too. Like, Stinky has, like, really good comedic timing a lot of the time. I can't get over... Like, it, I'm realizing just how much of that I quote. Like, me and my brother have been quoting fucking Arnie, his uh, his deranged cousin from the country. So much as, like, it was like, So, uh, Arnie, what do you like to do? I like gum. Plain flavored. And it's just like... <laughs> There's there's good uh, there's even good politics in here. They're just like, hey, you have to take care of the people and not just have empty slogans that go nowhere. Uh, I I was surprised. I thought the show was uh, really well done. And here's just a little closer because I could go on for a long time about this. I'm probably gonna buy like the the big what was it called Ultimate Edition or something like that on uh, Amazon. It's like thirty bucks. Like why would I not? Uh, you guys gotta see, if you haven't seen it already, watch the Thanksgiving episode of Hey Arnold, because that's probably the best Thanksgiving special for any show that I've ever seen. And I thought it was uh, really, really well done. So, if you haven't seen that, give it a shot. Uh, I Anyway, I'm on cloud nine when I'm thinking about Hey Arnold. I, I really, really like that show. Alright, only uh, two more to get through. Promise going as fast as I can here. Um, I'm thinking more about Wes Anderson, and I think he might be my second favorite director of all time. I'm becoming a Wes Anderson guy. That's why my hair looks like this. And uh, I decided, well, if I'm going to watch all his movies... Uh, Alex, you warned me a while ago, don't like, don't go through and like try to watch them all in order, because it, it just doesn't feel as much fun that way. Because like the fun of Wes Anderson is that it looks different from everything else. You don't want to see the same movie over and over again. So I, I was like, okay, I'll keep that in mind. And I decided I'd watch his directorial debut, Bottle Rocket. This has Owen Wilson, Luke Wilson, because it's Wes Anderson, and th in their first film role, by the way, and also James Caan. So uh, nice to see him again. Uh, last time I saw him was uh, Santa's Sleigh, if I recall correctly. Uh, 
Bottle Rocket, I think, is... They caught me. <laughs> Bottle Rocket is uh, surprisingly underrated. A lot of people are just like, well, it's not really a Wes Anderson movie because it doesn't look like all his other movies. It only has, like, that Wes Anderson look and feel and, like, a couple very brief scenes and then he immediately cuts away from it. Uh, but it still feels like a Wes Anderson movie because it still feels like the characterization, the writing, is really what makes it a Wes Anderson movie for me. And... I loved almost everything about it. I thought the romance was actually really sweet, and that's what most people dislike about it. It's like, wait, this actually works for me. Uh, and I really liked Owen Wilson in this. Like, I I guess I didn't really like Owen Wilson for a bit of time. I kind of thought he was doing the same thing again, and the last movie I had seen him in was Cars, so... It's kind of tough. <laughs> yeah, but, uh... <laughs> one. Anyway, uh, he's really good at this. I was like, wow, this guy's an astonishing actor. The movie bombed, because, like, Two people saw it. And uh, he thought about joining the Marines. So we almost had a world without... Wow. But uh, And he could have been defending our freedoms along with the Blue Collar Comedy Tour. But uh, <laughs> turns out one of the two people who saw it worked for Walt Disney. And they're like, dude, we have got to get this guy. Like, we have to find a way to utilize Wes Anderson. And I guess Touchstone's Pictures bought uh, Wes Anderson's film rights or something like that. And that's how we got Rushmore, which is uh, one of my favorite Wes Anderson movies. So, Bottle Rocket, I, I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's about uh, Luke Wilson and Owen Wilson and their uh, wannabe petty criminals. Like, they're trying really, really hard to become, like, GTA characters in a way. Even though this came out in 1996, before GTA was really popular, it feels like they're trying to go on, like, heists and stuff like that, but they're so incredibly bad at it uh, that it's it's really a lot of fun to watch. I actually highly, highly recommend this. I also watched the uh, the short that this was based on. It's just black and white in 13 minutes. You can skip it. Not much to it. Uh, Alright, and a last one here. Uh, Parker, for you, a comic book movie. This is from from the nineties, and it's good. Uh, uh? It's called Dick Tracy. Oh, I just assumed that was a future episode. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen it because I just assume everything I've ever heard about is like I'll just hold off. So I like it. I think it's good. I also think it's just a touch boring for uh, this this podcast. Uh, This is directed and starring Warren Beatty. Uh, It's got Al Pacino. It's got Madonna. It's got a lot of Madonna. And it's got, uh, who else is in this? Um, uh, there's a lot of big, big name actors in this. I don't, I don't feel the need to go through all of them. Uh, scored by Danny Elfman, and that makes it really feel like a Tim Burton movie. And a lot of people are like, oh, it's just dog off Tim Burton. Again, if you're going to copy someone good, then, you know, that's more or less what you want to do if you're going to copy somebody. Uh, but here's the thing, like, Tim Burton is kind of hit or miss with some of these things. So, if you think back to Dick Tracy comics, which, uh, we can't do because we weren't, we weren't born in the 1920s, uh, you think back to, like, oh, they're really colorful, right? There's so much color in this movie. And the movie I want to sort of contrast this with, it's a movie I haven't seen, don't assign it to me, The Eternals. And The Eternals is well known for being, like, this dull gray-brown shit that's hard to look at, whereas you look at The Eternals comics, apparently they're really creative and colorful and everything, but no, we can't show that to people. That's like hard to decipher you can have colors in here and it looks so distinctive and this was very clearly directly made to pay homage to the original comics of dick tracy to the kids who grew up with it and i think it's actually really sweet uh i guess the biggest problem here is maybe warren Beatty as the actor i don't think he should have been dick tracy i think someone else should have done it but he was sleeping with madonna at the time so i guess it just made sense um I, I gotta tell you, the Madonna's actually pretty decent in this. So uh, I I wasn't really sure about her as an actress, especially after one of those movies you guys assigned me. 
was it the skin thing, the flesh thing, or it was a ripoff of Basic Instinct or whatever. Um, that movie was fucking hard to watch, uh, but she's actually pretty good in this. Um, so I actually do recommend Dick Tracy. I think that's a very good movie. And now I've gone way too long. I'm sorry about that, Alex. What did you watch? All right, not a lot. So I'll keep this quick. I'm uh, I'm not gonna talk about Succession on this show because I don't need to. Because fucking everyone with a podcast talk about Succession because it's the best show on TV. But uh, allow me to enlighten you guys with an interaction from this week's episode in which everyone's favorite idiot, Cousin Greg, walks up to a bunch of the main characters, and it's like, they're, they're at, like, uh, this, like, Republican Party convention thing, where they're, like, trying to pick who's gonna be the nominee. It's not, like, the literal convention, it's, like, the shadow one where all the rich people go to. He's like... My dad just stopped like, listening. He's like, man, some guy over there just called me a soy boy. Like, Relax, Greg, <laughs> this is the kind of place where you don't have to pretend to like Hamilton anymore. <laughs> it is, finding out earlier this week that the guy that created Succession is one of the guys that made Peep Show made a whole lot make sense to me. There you go. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah. I mean, I knew you guys were doing this on purpose, but also now, like, I really know you're doing this on purpose. Um, other than that, the only thing I watched this week, you know, it's been said of me that I am easy to peer pressure. So when Netflix comes out and tells me that 30% of my fellow countrymen saw Red Notice on the first weekend, you know, how can I not, you know? I wouldn't want to miss out on the latest, biggest Netflix blockbuster that definitely has real and not fake numbers. Okay. Um, A late last-minute submission for your penance, Mike. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> Again, no extra credit. We don't get to do I'm extra credit. I'm trying to get extra credit here. I mean, it was going to get assigned to me eventually anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um... I so in this that real quick. <laughs> yeah, exactly, just take it off the fucking list. I backspace, told you backspace, I was backspace, watch backspace. It. Yeah, you've told us multiple times, so we we been new. Yeah, I know. But uh, uh, so The Rock is an FBI agent who's trying to catch um, art thieves. Wait, no, which movie is this? Red Notice. You see, because when you say that The Rock is a secret agent trying to catch, that could be. Like, any literally movie with any the rock, movie. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and wouldn't, sure. you, wouldn't you know it? Ryan Reynolds plays a smooth-talking, quippy art thief. Oh, you Ass. see, he's he's trying to steal Cleopatra's golden eggs because somebody wants to buy them. That's that's it. He just, he just yeah. wants to make a lot of money. You know, mm-hmm. he's got all these old treasures and stuff. It's um, a good premise. Yeah. Um, no, it's not. You know, you know, and and just like in case you were. <laughs> In case you were worried about, you know, the fact that you weren't sure if you were watching a movie or not, there are plenty of references to both other movies and movie culture, such as when they're searching through a room for the egg, and he goes, I wish they just put it in a box labeled MacGuffin. That's fun. Yeah. Hey um, guys, we know you're wasting your time. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. So, uh, lots of quips. Uh, Ryan Reynolds apparently one of the world's greatest art thieves, but unfortunately he is being upstaged by... The Bishop, played by Gal Gadot, who is also an art thief and also wants to steal the eggs. So the whole movie is them, you know, competing to steal the eggs, and then they work together. And then for a while, you know, the rock gets framed by the Bishop. So he gets sent to jail, but he ends up in the same jail that Ryan Reynolds is in. And Uh-oh. he opens the door to the cell, and you hear Ryan Reynolds' voice go, So are you a top or a bottom? And it pans over to Ryan Reynolds laying on the bottom bunk of a bunk bed. And it's like, yeah, you know, those jokes. All the yeah. ones that everybody loved in Deadpool. That would have been weird if they weren't movie. in that movie, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, like 
Somebody should make, like, a movie where he is just playing the most deadly serious straight character just to fuck with people. You know, like, all the people that saw fucking Uncut Gems thinking it was going to be a comedy? Because Adam Sandler is in it. Like that, but the opposite. Uh, Deadpool and The Force Awakens combined have done more harm to me watching movies in the last decade. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds tries to get away from the crime scene on his boat, which is, of course, called We're Gonna Make It Rose. Because, you know... Yeah. Oh, that's from the Titanic from yeah, 1997. Yeah. James Cameron. Yeah, you guys know about those movie things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Parker, pop quiz. Do you think Sabotage plays in this movie? <laughs> Fuck. Hey, come on. He's got a hurt throat. <laughs> God damn it. The manicure does not look kindly upon stacks um, like that. Fuck, man. Um, there is, uh,. You get to see uh, The Rock get gored by a CGI bull. That one, uh, you know. Okay. It uh, slightly better. It would have been dope. But... And an admission here, I saw this scene, the uh, the bullfighting scene on Twitter. And uh, they had a video. They're just like, this is just what movies look like now. And I hate to say it, but I actually thought the quips worked in that scene. Because it really had a, a feeling to me like a scene from Frisky Dingo. I was like, wait, this back and forth kind of works? I... I have, I have to say, I, I guess I kind of just like Ryan Reynolds. I think most of his clips are pretty good. I, I will say... Yeah. Uh, no, you... Okay, right. My, my one thing is, holy shit, that CGI looks bad. You want to talk about, like, people like, oh, the CGI Wheel of Time would look good. Dude, that was, like, some of the worst green screen shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah, and, like, from what I understand, like, they were about to start filming in March 2020. So they ended oh, up having yeah, to... Like, yeah. you know, redo... Th- so, like, I, I kind of give it a pass for the way it looks. But uh, okay. on the subject of Ryan Reynolds, I also like him. And on the subject of quips, I think quips work really well in scenes like that where, like, action is happening. And it's like, you're almost oh, yeah, perceiving yeah, yeah. it as, like, a nervous reaction of the character. Yeah, but exactly. But it's just... When it's that, and then the next scene, they're, like, standing in a room, and it's the exact same kind of quips. It's like, all right, well, now you just fucked up the tone of your whole movie. Like Exactly. Like, this is actually something you not to take it seriously. Like, yeah, th- this is something I kind of talked about when I talk about Frisky Dingo, is what I like about it is the humor is grace under pressure. Is like, you've got this, uh, like, a bull is literally running right at you, and you're still making jokes. That, to me, is very funny, because it's like, this dichotomy of two scenes, like, oh, my life is in danger, and here I am going to make, like, a shitty pun or something like that. That's very funny. But if you're just standing around a table and it's got a map of the casino where you're going to rob, there's no tension. So what are you breaking when you tell that joke? Exactly. So anyway, there's a there's a Nazi treasure vault that they have to go to using a. Dad, if you're uh, listening, it's fictional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, there's 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 like a like three minute Nazi lore dump of how the Nazis got all this art to Argentina to bury it in the jungle where they go, and then they get chased by Gal Gadot, who gets chased by the cops, and then, oh, we have to work together to get away with the egg, and then, oh, it turns out The Rock is actually double-crossing Ryan Reynolds the whole time, and actually he's working with her. And then, oh, no, but Ryan Reynolds came, he's like, oh, but I know about a bigger treasure, we gotta go work together to get it, and so they all run away from the cops, and then Notorious plays. But, but the, the, the version that Biggie sampled. Great. Yeah. Um, one of the most paint by numbers movies I've ever seen in my fucking life. Like, yeah. if you've seen any, like, really any action movie with any of the people that are in this movie at any point in the last decade, you've seen this movie. Like, Great. Uh, in searching for good things to say about it, 
The Rock's not doing jokes the whole time. He seems to understand that his lane is to let Ryan Reynolds be the funny man, which is a relief because performances like this are when The Rock is tolerable. When he's just, like, a big dude that uses physical comedy and, like, we see him get hit by a bull and we see him get tased in the balls and it's like, oh, that's a really big human being. He is, like, the only person that could live through some of this shit. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Like, like that's using your actor correctly, not... Oh, look how funny I am, and look how strong and smart I am. Like, no, fuck off. Um, but yeah, um, <laughs> mercifully, an hour fifty-seven. I was That's surprising. I was expecting two twenty. Hour fifty-seven. Oh on my god. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so I was. I was thankful for that. And even with Ugh. that, it took me two sittings. So. Dude, I, I legit think I would have been like, oh yeah, I'll watch this for content. I'll watch it for a joke. If I saw one fifty-seven, I would have been like, oh, I'm not gonna watch that. Yeah, yeah, but that's every Netflix movie, and I watch all of them. So oh, yeah. if if Netflix Gotta throws two hundred million dollars at something, like yeah, yeah. someone's got it, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, Parker, what did you watch? All right. Well, I'm gonna. I watched two of my assignments, but I'll talk about them next week because I'd like to go more in depth and. uh I will refuse to lose my voice for I can talk about Lord of Illusions. That's just not going to happen. <laughs> so instead, I will focus on three films I watched by one Samuel Raimi, entitled Spider-Man, comma, Spider-Man 2, comma, Spider-Man 3. Hell yeah, dude. Now, two, as I watched, I realized, like, okay, I definitely remember, like, ordering this on-demand pay-per-view when it was new, because that was a thing, and then just not sitting and watching the entire thing and not going back to it. So I recognized beats from it. Three was entirely new, and that was inexperience. How long is three? Uh, an eternity. Oh, all just a <laughs> bit over two hours. Nothing too crazy. So uh, three. One, sorry, go ahead. go ahead. All right, I was going to say three. Three was the three was the one that got a lot of pushback. A lot of fans really hated it because it was like cheesy. Uh, Spider Man becomes emo. He dresses in black. He does he does a silly dance. So I feel um, like three really did a lot to tarnish the legacy of the first two, and now yeah. people are coming back around remembering. Oh yeah, these movies are incredibly good. Right. Yeah. So go ahead and talk about one if you'd like. It's just. There's a bunch of things to jump around to. One thing that stood out to me a lot is there's a scene where he decides, like, okay, like I have to do this. I'm going to become Spider-Man. I'm going to protect all these people. And it just jump cuts to him in the suit. And I know there's people watching this, crossing their arms and going, well, how do you afford that suit? Where did he get it? And I hope all of them are happy with what they've done. <laughs> I hope they enjoy what movies are now. And I hope they feel like fucking shit. <laughs> Could not get. Ca- now I have to hear about Tony Stark giving him fucking Stark tech suits and nail oh, machines. And absolutely fuck yourself. He has it <laughs> because he's Spider Man. Fuck yourself. You know, I think one of the other reasons there is I think that they're like little kids asking mommy and daddy, how did he get the suit? I don't understand it. And By working hard and studying. Yeah, exactly. Eat your vitamins, dick. Yeah. <laughs> I. I had forgotten that Bruce Campbell was in the exact same scene as Randy Savage, and they were in frame at the same time. <laughs> Such yeah, a powerful dude. energy. Imagine the those two. scene is a masterpiece. <laughs> I would give anything to have something with that much energy in literally any movie today, honestly. Good hey, point. freak show. You go with nowhere. 
the, the crowd of people with the giant cardboard saws sawing their arms and yelling, kill him, kill him. God, Alex did a better impression of Randy Savage than I've ever done. I'm feeling I've jealous here. I've been doing the bone saw scene impression since high school, buddy. It's so I have had time to refine my craft. The only thing I know how to say in Randy Savage's voice is Miss Elizabeth! <laughs> like, at this point, it's been like 20 years almost. It's almost like not even worth talking about J.K. Simmons in it, but then oh. you watch it and your immediate thought is like, "No, we don't talk about enough." Yes, how captivating he is every single second he's on frame. It's been running not... the ground, but like that fucking buzz cut, the big <laughs> cigar he's chomping on in every scene. <laughs> I'm not kidding when I say I think he's the best part of the whole those three movies. Not he even is, close. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. When he fucking stands up, walks against the wall, goes, he doesn't want to be famous, it takes a big choppy. I'll make him infamous. One of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Dude, I fucking watched that scene and I was just like, that's it, I'm a suspenders guy. You know? I'm ready. I'm I need ready something to, to thumb. High and with it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go like this, whenever I, I feel serious about something. <laughs> Doc Ock. <laughs> extra, extra. Parker gets James. <laughs> Giant <laughs> ass Giant fuck ass. off. <laughs> Fapo. <laughs> doing his crack call. <laughs> Spider Man, please don't. We're diabetic. This is like a job for sugar. <laughs> God, bring those back. Anal. <laughs> I can pay you in rape dollars. <laughs> I'll cut that. I was happy you were the one that said it. Thank you. We're all thinking of the dollar signs over his eyes. <laughs> Alright, so uh, Ted Raimi. Oh my god, I love him. Just He's so fucking good, dude. <laughs> Does anyone care about what I think? I do! Shut up. Get out. Shut up. Get out. One of the best deliveries in movie history. The fact that he's just in front of the camera, doesn't even turn his head. Shut up. Get out. I can't even think about it without laughing. And of course, like we don't even need to mention it. I really should have it on the soundboard by now, but the laugh. Can I get paid in advance? It sounds like the horse from Insane into the Membrane. Oh, that's a re-edit. That's a, that's a project for yeah. me. Literally two decades of everyone who's ever seen it talking about how it's the best casting ever. And yet, undersold. It's yeah. truly amazing. Uh, Willem Dafoe, obviously. He's the per- if you didn't know what the Green Goblin was, and I told you, hey, they're making a superhero movie where Willem Dafoe's going to play a goblin man. He'd be like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like is. every Why movie I've he? ever seen with him. Yes. <laughs> I love when he gets in movies like this where he just gets to be a fucking weirdo. That's the thing about him. Like, yeah, because like in so many movies, he'll like play a straight role. I think maybe that's one of the things I didn't like about Antichrist is like he's just way too straight in that. Whereas in this, he's going for it. He's just like, I know what I look like, and I know what people are going to see me as. Like, let's just go for it. And of course, I cannot stop. I couldn't possibly stop thinking about the. You know, I'm actually kind of a fucking idiot myself. I always think about when he first gets the serum, and he just hops up on that lead shirtless, hunches over, and hisses at that dude in the nerves. <laughs> I love that everything in the room is green. There's green smoke. The floor is green. Like, oh, wow. Color. 
Isn't it nice to yeah? Isn't it nice to see passion? Isn't it nice to see a director who cares more about the product than he cares about his paycheck? What a weird premise. <laughs> I one has its a couple problems. Like I will not ever understand why James Franco is in these movies. <laughs> oh, maybe. doesn't want to be there. Does he? he does he become? Be uh, does he become Venom in the third one or something? No, that's Toe for Grace, buddy. Oh, oh, I haven't seen the third one. We'll, we'll get there. Uh, Holy Sorry. Sorry if I'm going too movie. fast. What a... Man, that hmm. might be an episode. That movie is wretched in ways I wasn't prepared for. I saw the astronaut. Sorry. So, uh, Spider-Man 2. Uh, yeah, uh, turns out everyone's right. That is a five-star movie, huh? Yeah. Yep. It's pretty fucking amazing. I should go through all these two. I'm sorry. I'm just yes. realizing that... It was, a, it was a good week up yeah. until... Life hit, and then it yeah. wasn't a good week. And right. so it isn't. I mean, like, not only is it like just a perfect movie, it ends in a way that makes you so fucking ready to see a third one. Like, mm-hmm. I know what's coming in the third one, but even then, I'm like, "Fuck it!" Tomorrow after work, we're popping right. that movie, and we're continuing the series. Like, it is so fucking good. The hospital scene is so horrifying for children, where the arms come alive and murder those doctors. Uh, big shout out to Alfred Molina not getting in Kingo shape and just being a fat middle-aged scientist, dude. Which is the way the character is supposed to look, as far as I can tell. Yeah, he's just a dude. Yeah. He loves his wife in science and then becomes a giant monster with robot arms. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't mess. Matter. None of this is real. Uh... <laughs> Fuck, I f- totally forgot that, uh... If you just want to timepiece for how 2004 it is. You got your Hal Sparks cameo. <laughs> You've got a Michael Bublé song on the soundtrack. Oh, come <laughs> on. It's it's brutal. But I mean, I was tipsy. Like I was really feeling myself cuz I wasn't relying on NyQuil to get me through life at that point. It's fair. But uh the alcohol was helping and the scene where Peter had to tell Aunt May that he's the reason Uncle Ben died almost made me cry cuz I was deep in my feelings no that's fair i think it's so good yeah like look i I don't this is kind of one of the things about like i was going to say about invisible man is that it's okay to let a movie get to you i mean because it's sometimes movies need that audience participation for you to get into a movie and be like i i'm a willing participant and this is something that i know i struggle with with most horror movies but with the invisible man i was like tense and and you know really with it when i watch romance movies i want the two characters to get together i put myself like in that romantic mindset and i think with a movie like this you can be emotional about like having to tell a loved one that you're responsible for the death of another loved one i think that yeah it'd be weird if you didn't cry this is what he was going for and it's effective i think the only uh like contrast i would make here is think about this scene if it was in any movie in the mcu like does any mcu movie ever like come close to accomplishing that kind of emotional resonance like, the fact that he gets through it, spills it, and she just gets up without saying anything and leaves all distressed. I was like, oh my god, I wasn't prepared to feel this in this movie. Alex, when's the last time you watched this? It's been a good six or seven years. I need to I need to watch it. It might. Yeah, it's, I feel like it's probably, CGI aside, it's probably only gotten better over time. Especially as more and more flood the market. It just dilute whatever this is now more and more. It really stands out a lot more. And, like, the way it ends on, like, them finally admitting he's who he is and be like, no, fuck it, we can be together. The same ending as the first one of him swinging through the city. It's this big grandiose thing. 
and then cutting back to her just like looking really concerned out the window and then going to credits oh my god just five stars it's so yeah. fucking good yeah it's perfect and Spider-Man 3 happens <laughs> <laughs> I think the craziest part is like one and two each individually made ungodly amounts of money like more than you could ever imagine and for movies to be that successful and then on the third one have that much studio interference that feels crazy to me like how much does guy have to prove himself for you to not go no but you see the kids liked Venom a decade ago so he has to be in this like, he just had fucking Alfred Molina show up with robot arms it's like the most successful movie ever made you can just not have Venom See, I didn't doesn't care about Venom is fucking Sam Raimi. See, uh, I did not know that there was a lot of studio interference with this film. Uh, You you know, you ask like how studio interference happens, especially with the first two movies being as big as they are. You'd think, okay, we got this perpetual motion machine. Why don't we just let it perpetually rotate? But that's not really quite the way that it works. Uh, I think that it's kind of like Disney executives with like Star Wars, right? So uh, think back to like Star Wars Episode Seven. Was it was it called uh, the the seventh one? It wasn't Force Awakens. Was it Force Awakens? Was it Force Awakens? Sorry. All right. I didn't know. Uh, I forgot. Um, anyway, so, so... proud of us. So, yeah, like, anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, like, Force Awakens is, like, uh, fairly popular. makes a whole lot of money. And then the studio has to get involved and be like, okay, we have to keep up that dollar amount because we have people on the payroll who need to be employed. We have theme parks that we're going to be starting and people are going to have to be paid on that. We've got a lot of things that we need a lot of money for. And I think that may have been what was going on with Spider-Man 3. That and I have a feeling that they looked at Sam Raimi and they were afraid of him going rogue because Sam Raimi is uh, he's very much an independent. He's very much his own guy. Uh, put him in my top ten directors, by the way, somewhere up there. I don't, I don't know where, but he's he's up there. I, I like, if not everything that he's done, I just at least like his style. I like the fact that he's so like so much of a maverick. He's just like, I want it to be like this, and I'm going to do it this way. Unfortunately, that guy seems to encounter a lot of studio interference. He encountered it on Darkman and, I guess, on uh, Spider-Man 3, which, again, I haven't watched, so Park, you can go well, into it. he had many plans for Spider-Man 4, and then making Spider-Man 3 happened, and oh, that's why we yeah. don't have Spider-Man 4. Yeah. He was like, fuck this, I'm going to go make... Oh. To be fair, movie. I think I think most of the fans are just like, fuck Spider-Man, I don't want to watch this anymore. <laughs> but... What never, ever, ever, ever works is cramming three villains into your movie. It has never in the history of comic book movies ever, ever worked. And it will never work. Because it's the same rum time as the other two. You got Green Goblin. You got Doctor Octopus. Okay, so Harry has to have his character arc, right? But also the Sandman's here. And Sandman actually killed Uncle Ben, not this other guy. Don't worry about it. But also you have Venom, because kids love Venom. Venom shows up like an hour 40 into this fucking movie. It is jam-packed. No scene ever has time to breathe. It's just scene, 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 scene. Nothing matters. Kirsten Dunst looks like she wants to fucking die. Why do we need Gwen Stacy in the third movie that already has three villains and two Gwen Stacy's in this? Yeah. I didn't even know that she was... I didn't even know that she existed in the same universe as MJ. I I thought that they were, like, two different, like, worlds of (laughs) Spider-Man. He has two different girlfriends. Like, on one hand, this movie is completely overdone but also i could talk about this movie for two hours very easily it's watching them all in a row like that you can just almost feel him behind the camera be like fuck it man whatever so i i guess my biggest question about spider-man 3 is 
I think I was led to believe, although I could be wrong, so I'd ask someone who actually watched it, is there more J. Jonah Jameson in this movie than the other two? Um, it felt about equal. Uh, well, okay, then I'm probably in. Although, I will tell you this, uh, I do hate Spider-Man 3, despite not having seen it. I will explain why. I was working at the movie theater, and... Um, do it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, <say> no, more. <laughs> no, no, no. I was working at the movie theater, and this uh, this girl was pretty cute. She comes up to me and she's like, "You know, you look like that movie guy. That guy is in the movies." I was like, "Oh, who could that be?" Clint Eastwood. And uh, she says, "No, no, no. The guy, uh, you know, uh, Sandman from Spider Man Three. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking brutal, dude. dude. Again, it's like oh, just man. like my coworker saying that like Ryan Reynolds and Chris Pratt are average six to a three to a one point five to not even on the scale. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't watch this movie, but I remember when the teaser came out of him in the black suit. I remember the sheer unbridled excitement from everyone who had oh, yeah. just seen one of still one of the best comic book movies of all time probably very very easily the best at that point in time oh yeah it's oh, oh, that oh, yeah. and tim burton's batman if you're older that's pretty much the entire conversation yeah and like a distant and, third is superman 1978 yeah <laughs> and then you see the reveal you're getting black suit spider-man like holy fucking shit i can't imagine that level of disappointment that's you know that's actually a really good way to put it it's like a lot of people were super into that uh the trailer and everything and then you get that with like the dance and everything and just the dance is funny to me because like yeah i'm sure that's how peter parker would think he would look cool because he's a fucking dweeb you know what i don't even sell that the whole way because like you see shots from other people and they're actually sizing up like hey like what no is is this a bit or not like see i think i think that it's really funny just because i like to imagine sam raimi directing it's like no dance Dance monkey, dance. <laughs> let me let me just like describe the first thirty minutes of this movie and then immediately turn you on it. Uh-huh. So we've been building fucking James Franco's storyline, right? He mm-hmm. wants to kill Spider Man. Now he knows that his best friend is Spider Man. His best friend killed his dad. Was he do? So two ends with him finding his dad's lair and all of his shit. So he attacks Spider Man, right? Mm-hmm. Big long chasing, flying through the city. He's got his own hoverboard. He's got his own weapons. Hits his head and gets amnesia, and forgets nice. everything that he learned about his dad being killed by his Jesus. <laughs> Immediate, just power down. Like fuck, this sucks. Because not only does he have amnesia, but look, there's no other way to say it. He he sounds retarded for like half the movie. Does he really? <laughs> no polite way yeah, to put does. it. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, who are those guys? Those are my best friends. <laughs> He's just constantly walking around like, hey, MJ, let's go get some ice cream. I, what the fuck I, are you talking about? I probably saw the fucking House <gasps> the Pie gif posted 5,000 times in my life and laughed it's, at every single one of them. because I could Oh, my God, dude. Oh, I will never forget that. So good. So take that. Then add in Sandman, which... Look, Spider-Man has a lot of villains. I don't think Sandman's in anyone's top five. And he doesn't look like me. He, he looks cool... F- no, of course not. Thank you. How many teams did you win? <laughs> my co-host <laughs> is hotter than Sandman. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's got a cool ability for a 
interesting looking final battle, but like as your movie villain, nothing there. Sort of retcon to go, uh, actually, he's the one who shot Uncle Ben this whole time. Absolutely fuck yourself. Nothing worse than a shitty twist that makes a previous movie worse. Truly nothing more wretched. So you've got those two going for you that are just making it a miserable experience. Then you have to cram in Venom, which, uh, I'm sure you can tell Sam Raimi is more of a Golden Age kind of guy. He wants big, bright, silly suits. Could not give less of a fuck about Venom. Because Venom was cool to kids in the 90s. Side note, it's like 2007. <laughs> that, that, that shit's gone. We've moved past it. No one cared. Or so we thought. We're fucking two Venom movies deep right now. But like, he <laughs> has no interest in this being his movie. Doesn't want it there. You've got Topher Grace with... What is this die job? What are we doing, Alex? Please <laughs> tell me why he has blonde hair. It's just a sign of the times, man. <laughs> it's so fucking wretched. And then, Alex, do we want to talk about the scene at the end with James Franco's butler? <laughs> <laughs> Hundred-year-old man just walks into frame and explains to him. Uh, actually, a uh, uh, Spider-Man didn't kill your dad. Uh, well, I dressed his wounds, and the blade came from his glider. So actually, Spider-Man didn't do it. And he's like, "Damn, thanks, dude." And then he goes to help Spider-Man fight Venom. It could not be less satisfying if it was done on purpose. Like it is the most wretched thing I've ever seen. And they just start bantering back and forth. They're good friends again. Like, oh, hey, look behind you, Peter. Uh, I'm a little busy. That kind of shit. The most wretched fucking banter you can imagine. It is just vile from top to bottom. I was really willing to give it a shot. Because, like, I've, you can't even surprise me with the, like, the emo Peter stuff. Because I've seen memes of it for 15 years. Fuck, this sucks, dude. It's really disappointing. <laughs> it really fucking sucks. Uh, not good, as it turns out. But I will say, James Franco, who I've seen multiple times, has been the worst part of these movies. Clearly can tell, like, oh, this script sucks ass. <laughs> it's just having a wonderful time with it. Uh, to the detriment of the movie, but also... Damn, the, movie's gonna, the movie would suck regardless, so why... Why not just have a good time with it? See, that's actually what I was thinking, like, Sam Raimi's uh, direction here. I think maybe Sam Raimi was getting, like, so bombarded with, like, fucking people from uh, the studio that he was just like, yeah, you know, we're just going to go like this. Play it like this. No, go ahead, dance. Roll your arms. Come on, let's go. And, like, even if that interference didn't happen, the stuff he wanted to do with the plot, I just, I'm not into. I'm not what into did, What did he want to do with the plot? Like, a huge, like, the A plot is... Peter and Mary Jane having issues. Oh with no! And, like, oh, they just got to. Can I have like half a movie? Uh, yeah, that's. It's just an immediate leap forward, and then them just drifting apart and like, arguing and all that, and then the the symbiote gets him and makes him act like a dickhead because they're already fighting. I just, it's not what I wanted. Really, you know, I'm surprised that that's in there. Okay, so maybe this is my perspective with Spider Man, but uh, before the movies came out, my familiarity with Spider Man was twofold. Uh, one, I knew the cartoon, not the 1960s one where he's pointing at himself, but uh, the, the like the 1990s one, and uh, which I think introduced Venom and stuff. And I, that's not a very good cartoon. I would not recommend it. 
but I also knew him from uh, the comics. Not the comic books, but from the newspaper comics. I, um, <clears throat> I live in the D.C. area, and my mom subscribed to the Washington Post. And the Washington Post had Spider-Man in the comics, and you could actually, like... Uh, in the Sunday edition, they always had them in color and everything. You could sort of read along what's going on. And I never really followed it because, you know, week to week, I'm not going to do that. But, like, every once in a while, I'll glance at it and something interesting is going along. And every single one of those newspaper comics of Spider-Man, Spider-Man and Mary Jane were a couple. They might as well have been married. And she knew his secret and everything. And they were just like, yeah, we're going to make it work. And I was like... Yeah, maybe that's actually a good idea. Let's let's just try that. Maybe it'll end in tragedy. Who knows? But you're going to get a really good storyline on the way there. And I kind of wish that the movie had went in that direction instead of just like, oh, will they, won't they? You know, I think will they, won't they is like sometimes that's a really good idea. But sometimes the establishment of, uh, yeah, we're just going to make it work. I think that's kind of what I'm just looking for, you know? And it sucks because, like, a lot of their big strife comes from she gets a job on Broadway and they gets fired after one show for being a oh, bad yeah. singer. Yeah. So she has to, oh, she has to wait tables. Like, yeah, oh, you're no. 20-year-old actress. That's how yeah. it fucking works. Yeah, you're, you're, you're lucky Broadway. if you're still doing that when you're fucking 35. <laughs> like, the first thing you see is her face on a giant billboard. Like, you'll be fine, lady. Yeah. <laughs> and for her, just to, really, the script does not do her any favors whatsoever. Is that a Kirsten Dunst sucks. in that role? Yeah, it right, really yeah. does not give her anything. I, I think, she, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this. I think she's a really talented actress, but uh, I I think I can definitely agree with you there. Yeah. Three for three on uh, just being the damsel in distress at the end. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> Great. Good job, everyone. Yeah. Yeah, just not, not a good movie. Not whatsoever. You know what is a good movie? Lord what? of Illusions. Hell yeah, <laughs> Let's, hey, here we go. All right, let's talk about Lord of Illusions. Anyway, Clive Barker's Clive Barker's Lord of Illusions by Clive Barker. So uh, there's this opening text scroll, and unfortunately this week I didn't write it down, but the whole time I was thinking, man... I wish Orson Welles was alive to read this. <laughs> you want me to, I'll hit you with the gist of it. Yeah, can you can you do it? Because it sold me immediately. Yeah, yeah Alec, can you read it to me? Of, Good. There are two worlds of magic. Yep, I'm a hundred percent in. Yeah, man, dude, keep imagine fucking Orson Welles. There are two worlds of magic, Pinky. <laughs> man, better move. Uh, Anyway, so uh, we start off in the desert, which is where all stories really come from. And uh, there's this, uh, I don't even know how to describe this. There's this, uh, a gathering of magic, if you will. And uh, there's this kind of, (laughs) Parker, would you like to describe it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the first time I attempted to watch this was last night. As the drugs were kicking in, and I promptly turned it off and went, "No, this is not gonna fucking work." I thought you were gonna be like, hey, "It's a gathering of magic," and Alex would be like, "Ooh, good description." Yeah. <laughs> you see, as Sorry, I was it's a gathering of magic. the chemicals in my body telling me to go to sleep, like sitting still, rigidly, like tensed up, like, "No, I gotta get like halfway through this." That. The man walks into a room with a chained up woman. 
and attacks her with a baboon and just has <laughs> swipes at her face. Whoa, whoa, whoa. we got to even before that. Even before that, there's this guy who is, uh, he's got a body type by Alfred Molina. And uh, he's talking to them about how magic is real. And it kind of, he kind of sounds like a villain from uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark? And uh, there's this guy, there, there's a whole bunch of his, I guess his disciples. Uh, they're just sitting in there and be like, yes, yes, we believe in magic. And they're going to come back later and they're like, okay, we believe in. This is actually, according to Wikipedia, it's called Real Magic. It has its own uh, fucking like Wikipedia article, uh, as opposed to just regular magic, which is a card game. And uh, he's all, yes, magic is real. It can expand the universe, something like that. There's this one guy sitting in the front row, you know, crisscross applesauce, and he's staring up with the, with the biggest fucking open mouth grin on his face, just feel like, uh, uh, uh. Just like I, that guy is going to use magic to buy so many comic books. You can already <laughs> tell. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we should also talk about. Uh, and this is just this like again, Albert Molina size guy. He's just playing with fire. Like literally, it's just like fire's just created in his head. It's like and God created fire, <laughs> and they're just like. <laughs> I gotta say, naming your magic wielding cult leader villain the Puritan. Is real, real, <laughs> real good. Also, Big if fan. someone walked up to me and did that, I'm immediately joining the cult. I mean, yeah. Anyway, uh, we should. I would join Chris Angel's cult. <laughs> fucking heartbeat, dude. Do we? All right, so we got to talk about Rafiki because uh, can you imagine being not chained up, but being on the same set? As Rafiki down there. <laughs> that baboon is if he, if he gets loose, we'll loosen your handcuffs. Like, fuck yourself. You're going to paratrap this scene. I'm not going to be the same frame. This baboon. Someone is off camera annoying this baboon. Can you imagine how much they had to pay the baboon wrangler to, like, shake a stick in the baboon's Here, face to make cookie. it bear his face? <laughs> Oh, you tossed your cookie. Come on, Rafiki. Come on, Josh. <laughs> Great episode, Mo. So, like, yeah, that guy, that fucking baboon is, like, like okay, so, Parker, I haven't actually watched uh, Shockbo yet, but hearing the way that you described it would be like, oh, man, that sounds like a nightmare. Dude, all I needed was this scene. I'm like, I'm not fucking working with monkeys. Are you out of your mind? No amount of money in the fucking world. <laughs> That leash needs to be stronger. <laughs> that thing needs a fucking shot collar, like the one that the dog used and the invisible man used your brain, people. So anyway, uh, we got to talk about the guy outside, the, uh, I guess it's sort of a trailer park in the desert. I want to quote a good friend of mine named Bill Purdy. He's in his 60s. And he once told me after six pictures of beer, there's a lot of weird shit in the desert. That's basically the premise of this movie. There's this guy yeah. wearing, this movie was released in what, 1995? There's this guy wearing the itsy-bitsiest, teeniest-tiniest booty shorts I've ever seen in my life. Okay? what's the, Who's the girl from uh, Dukes of Hazard? Whatever her name was. Like, her her shorts are nowhere near as tightly cut around this guy's buttocks. Alright? It is astonishing. <laughs> there is a point in time where guys used to go out in public like that. Be like, no, we're working out. And their fucking thighs were out in public like that. It's a damn disgrace. And I say that not just because I have hairy legs. It's, uh, it says here in my notes uh, that he ran away from Ram Ranch. So... Okay. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> Just got a butterfly knife and he's <laughs> down at the Ram Ranch, ready to rut. 
<laughs> so yeah, he's got a butterfly knife. It is he's fucking I think he's like carving a skull into like what is it, like a bar of soap or something. So, um anyway, I, I is now as good a time as any to talk about the uh, special effects. <laughs> Look again, if someone came up to me and said, Hey, I know magic and they made me visualize someone's skin falling off, I'd follow them anywhere. That man has power I could never dream of. <laughs> That's very true. Although I think the the CGI skin falling off scene is maybe one of the first examples of like, oh, practical effects are better because you could compare the skin ripping off scene in this one to the skin ripping off scene in Wishmaster. And boy, I'm 32 years old and I didn't foresee my life just saying that sentence out loud. <sighs> so you're welcome, buddy. Yeah. Well. Still. Anyway, so yeah, that's. I, I thought it was like decency. I mean, again, this is 1995. Like, this is like Toy Story just came out. So it's like people are still working through the tech for uh, this sort of thing. And the director is Clive Barker. So it's like, and he really doesn't know how to direct. Which, no offense to the man, you're like, oh, but he made Hellraiser. It's like, yeah, but he admitted he didn't really know what he was doing. And everyone sort of helped him out. I was like, no, 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 you say action like this. And, like, for this one, it's just like, yeah, we'll do it in post. It'll be like a computer will rip off their skin. And you can tell it's kind of awkward and not exactly seamless. But uh, I think it mostly worked. Uh, it gets worse as the movie goes on. So let's get to Scott Dracula. Uh, Bacula. Uh, Are we just gonna is... skip over fucking Benny from the Mummy in this scene? Oh wait, did I protect us? We I never brought him up, dude. Well, okay, so okay, so here's the thing: Benny from the Mummy, yes, in fact, is in this movie. I didn't really know what to say about him besides his hair, which uh, looks like the the <laughs> annoying monkey from the Jungle Book. <laughs> he looks like if Kaiba grew a mullet, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's more than a mullet. He looks like Mozart. <laughs> Oh, also, I uh, come in, <laughs> guns a blazing, ready his, to kill the Puritan. His crew of flunkies. Who uh, <laughs> I I was having a little bit of trouble uh, trying to decipher their motive here. It was either because he kidnapped a girl, and it's like, oh, that's a noble means, or either because he's too good at magic, <laughs> and they were, I guess, for maybe a little bit jealous or something like that. All the above, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is fair. His yeah, magic is too strong. He yeah, has to die. He's evil. Benny from the Mummy and and his and his flunkies. Uh, they were in the cult and ran away, and then they were gonna just be like they were gonna just like leave him alone. But then he kidnapped a girl. And it's like all right, well now we gotta go stop him because okay, Alex read the source novel. So yeah, he comes in there and uh, he's got a gun and everything. And turns out uh, Benny from the Mummy. Don't say Kevin O'Connor. Cut that. Turns out Benny from the Mummy just talks that way all the time. Uh, I'm going to kill a magician. And everyone's just like, yeah, we'll follow him. He's our leader. And uh, they follow him. And uh, the little girl who, probably not having the time of her life with that baboon in that set. <laughs> she picks up this 357 and just pow, right in the back of his noggin. So uh, his, is... his brains paint that uh, indoor pyramid as far as I can tell. For uh, for context, this is after he sticks his hands inside Benny from the Mummy's brain and makes him. Ah, well now I know that you also must have got the extended edition because apparently they cut that scene for the theatrical version. Uh, mm -hmm. Alex, how long was your uh, video file for this? Uh, 
like two hours. Close yep, to it. two hours. Oh, the 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 theatrical version was only one forty four. So it looks like one of us fair. didn't watch the assignment. Young man, spankings abound. Watch the fucking sex oh, scenes. Garbage, <laughs> dude. Was a good sex scene. So anyway, you I missed. Just what was on Prime. Le- what else garbage. did you miss? So when they appre when they apprehend uh, the the very bad magician, they put this like iron mask on him, right? Kind of like one of the Saw movies. I don't know. Which Wait, one. this isn't in the theatrical cut. This scene rips, dude. Wait, dude. So this scene is in the. This is not in the theatrical cut. This is in the extended edition. Uh, Benny from the Mummy, like I think he bites his own thumb or something like that to drip blood, and the blood dripping on the screw screws it into the guy's head. They cut that. To from the theatrical version because it was too too intense for audiences like Parker who can't really I'm handle need a link like, to whatever <laughs> no I it's kind of a, it's R rated they say the fuck word every once in a while and there's so upset there, right there's now. there's boobs in it I don't know if you really it's maybe watch it with parent permission I'm but just anyway. a magic blood screw what the yeah fuck? yeah sorry yeah, multiple ones actually yeah, yeah and it's they're, okay. they're like well now his magic is contained and we have to bury him so deep that no one can ever find him. And which then they, we cut yeah. the first piece, Bacula. <laughs> yeah, which is I mean, what... I saw the yeah. mask. The mask is sick, but... <laughs> yeah. Oh, you missed it, dude. Oh, yeah. You... Boy, it's so much better when someone's blood is used to screw it in, but again, it's too intense for kids. Okay, so I'll, anyway... I one of you to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hook you up. Anyway, so... Uh, <laughs> she wanted to watch it with me, but she didn't want to get up early because sleep is great. But yeah. She used to rewatch it. Look, I mean, <laughs> getting up early to watch the Scott Bakula movie, I can understand her perspective. Yeah. Yeah, that, also... That was my day, but... So, so let's get on to Scott Bakula here, who's dressed like art, who's dressed like detective Arnold Schwarzenegger in End of Days, uh, <laughs> and uh, he's just like, oh, investigate the thing. And then someone comes in there, it's like, hey, we need you to investigate this magic crime, <laughs> and he's just like, fuck it, I need the money, <laughs> so he doesn't. Hey, you always into these weird magic crimes, right? And then we just get a flashback of an exorcism. Yeah, so, like. <laughs> He, what, what does he say is like some guys like trying to convince him to take the job he's just like you'll love LA there's great girls over there it's like look you think he's really gonna get any of them really he's gonna get like some sort of Hollywood actress I, I always respect when like I don't think there's ever been a uh, like a director in history who was able to measuredly show that a character was an alcoholic <laughs> it's just always a dude living in like a piss bottle fort of beer cans. Honestly, that's a good point. That's a really floor. good point. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's funny every time. It's like, bro, you could have just like had one bottle and we would have gotten it. <laughs> you don't need yeah. to make him live in a filth dungeon. So he's trying to like film that one guy, right? And he's trying to film that one guy, and he's like stopped outside a motel, and this is the first time you see naked breasts. Parker, close your eyes. And like they're the guy's like drinking, and he's got like this pompadour up, and his hair is up like this. And my first thought was, oh my god, that guy looks just like Deuce Bigelow. Like, is that fucking Rob Schneider? Yes. And here's the thing: is like that better fucking not be because that's technically a nude scene. I'm pretty sure I saw like side dong. Okay, if this movie should be Rob Schneider dick, it's a three out of ten at best. Okay, I was not prepared <laughs> three, to say this. Four out of ten, right? No, no, that's silly. Anyway, uh, let's see. Uh, a bunch of stuff happens. I kind of was taking sparser notes here because I was sort of nodding off for a reason. And, so he's uh, in L.A. now, right? We're at the L.A. Yes, park. Yes, he's in L.A. Help me out here. And uh, this is, uh, as far as plot goes, I don't really have a joke for this, but I can tell you how the plot goes. He uh, comes across uh, Benny from The Mummy, who is now an accomplished stage illusionist. And he's married to Famke Jansen. 
Yeah, right. Yeah, and, that one out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I get it, because like Clive Barker, apparently when he was casting, he saw one picture of Famke Jansen and be like, yep, that's it. And uh, by the way, I've said the same thing. She's a charter member of the slideshow. But like, if you're going to pair her with someone, it's not going to be uh, Kevin O'Connor, and it's not even going to be Scott Bakula. Don't be ridiculous here. Look at her. And she's just married to him? What? Because his because he's making a lot of money? He's a magician. No, he's not. What, because his magic's really good? Honestly, it's not even that good. We'll see. Look, and, uh, <laughs> go look, let me stop here right there. If anybody ever saves me from a killer baboon, I am marrying them on the spot. <laughs> exactly. Actually, that's... Okay, never mind. You're, I'm that's fair. I'm sucking dick we, until I get locked We, we will get... <laughs> baboon is attacking No, we'll get, we'll get back to that, because we do need to revisit that. But anyway, uh, he goes to her house, and he's like... Oh, Famka, Famka, because her name in this movie is so stupid, I don't want to say it. Uh, oh, fuck, what can, is it? It's real fucking dumb. It's like Dorothea, I think. Yes. <laughs> what kind of I'm just like, house on the prairie-ass name? See, this is the thing, is like, I, I think uh, I think Alex may have mentioned that, like, Clive Barker's basically British Stephen King, and one of the things that you ever get from, like, people who write a lot is that they try to, like, make up new names, because think about when you were a kid. There was always that one kid who was, like, that one name that didn't even seem weird, because, like, you grew up with that kid, but no one else's named that. You were like, what, was that kid just ethnic or something? It's like, no, that kid just had that one name. And you're like, no, 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 that was a normal name. That was a regular name. That kid was with me from kindergarten to fifth grade. What happened to him? Maybe he's dead. And you're like, Okay, I'm going to work that name in again. Dorothea. That's a fake name. Don't give me that. That's like, if, if someone was putting, like, witness protection with, like, Dorothea, they'd be dead within a month. Okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Dorothea says, oh, yeah, can you please uh, help my husband? I'm scared. He might die because of magic. And uh, another former <laughs> magician just got stabbed in the throat by 18 needles. At yeah, there's just... At this point, I'm just sitting in my chair going, oh my god, there's a serial killer killing magicians. This is the best movie of all dude, time. This, <laughs> dude, is this like a fucking kickboxer movie you watch where yeah. someone just killed the greatest fighters <laughs> exactly. of all? It's Psycho Magician. <laughs> <laughs> the best part is that magic is real, but only two people can actually do it. Everyone else is just murdering each other. Well, we do have that that one guy who's really, really strong. Let's not forget about him. Can we, yeah, talk about him, please. That's his whole character. He's just, he's like, he's literally like, I I picture him in, you know, you know, like in the cartoons when you'd have like a power lifter wearing like the power lifting outfit, like the one. He's got like a speedo and everything. He's got like a barbell with just like like, two spheres on the end. (laughs) It's like if you took that character and put him in real life. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a fucking goon for the magical cult. He's the, like, human version of the fucking dog from Tom and Jerry. <laughs> For some, I, you know, whenever I picture this, I just picture, like, remember in The Prestige where we talk about how that Chinese man transported that ball be- from one place to another. It's like, yeah, he's just carried between his knees. He does a lot of squats. He's able to carry like that. <laughs> so uh, there's, there's one attack on a bunch of people. I can't remember if this is... I think this, I think this is it. Uh, this is where uh, one guy, he falls out of a window, and he tries to grab onto, like, a yellow curtain or something like that. I'm like, oh, a bit of color. And he hits the ground like a sack of bricks. And I can't stop looking at it, thinking about, like, that Conan O'Brien thing, where they just clearly grab a dummy by the head and throw him against the wall. <laughs> <laughs> and you just hear, ah! <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry, that scene really stuck with me more than all the other because it's just a bam. <laughs> One of the all-time funniest bits in history. It's Joey getting thrown <laughs> <off> <laughs> it's, it's not you don't even see like the like think about like when a body falls like not that we've watched videos like that not like we've ever searched for horse gets fucking evaporated by a train <laughs> but instead it's like the body just hits the ground and you think like okay chest and back hit first because it's a little bit heavier up here feet sort of bounce like that no it's just like <laughs> and was like, oh shit. And yes, Alex, I am thinking of that guy punching a bird with whole cans. Why do you ask? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, that scene was uh, quite a bit. Okay, so let's talk about Betty from the Mummy's death. <laughs> Sorry, Betty from the Mummy's death. <laughs> His greatest magic trick ever. Stab <laughs> 15 times. <laughs> He's just like the Chris Angel of Los Angeles doing fake real magic in order to get a bunch of money from people for some reason. While Dude. also trying to simultaneously lay low because a cult is trying to murder him. So, <laughs> I think this one reminds me of it. Parker, you've watched a fair amount of Looney Tunes with the advent of HBO Max. Remember the Looney Tunes thing where, like, Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck were both trying to do, like, the better magic trick, right? And Daffy Duck's like, all right, this is my ultimate one. And then, sorry, that was more Sylvester. Uh, and he has, like, this one where he, I remember he puts on, like, a devil's outfit or something like that. And he mixes, like, a whole bunch of chemicals and shit. And he drinks it. And he fucking explodes. And then he's, like, and then he's like a ghost. He's like, that's the problem with the trick. I can only do it once. <laughs> Nothing up my sleeve. <laughs> you see, it's a little diorama. Of it. Like, oh wow! Oh no! He's gonna do oh no! Fall, like, the swords hit him for like a solid minute straight. <laughs> <laughs> no one's around getting hit by swords. We pan to the ceiling. There's a chandelier made of swords. It's like, oh, we're gonna watch every single one of these motherfuckers fall. Dude, <laughs> like four times. Scott back is like, hey, have you seen this trick before? Like, no. You just pan off screen and Penn and Teller are just like, amazing, ladies and gentlemen. We've never seen this trick before. Tell us, just like, it says here in my notes. And that was my famous ping pong ball trick. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Uh, when the swords start falling, if something goes wrong, make a noise like a dying trap. <laughs> What's the safe word? I think he's the saying. Is, ah! I think he's saying, "Kiss me, kiss me." <laughs> His famous trick that sells out Las Vegas is dying. <laughs> so good. So, if you knew that this was going to happen, would you pay money for the stick to see Betty for Dude, the mummy? Dude, that even happen. That curtain comes back, and that fucking set, I was all in. I would pay any amount of money to see this. And then I get to watch this dude die for no reason? I God. would tell everyone I know, except for Yellow Cyclone. Correct. <laughs> That's like that's like being in the show where that's Siegfried and Roy where the fucking tiger went and shot him off. <laughs> I would never forgive myself. Oh my god, shock my Siberian tiger. <laughs> it already sounds like a future episode. It's the reverse version of Seth MacFarlane sleeping through his alarm. Yeah. <laughs> so 
So a bunch of stuff happens uh, that I don't really have notes on. So Alex, you can tell me if I'm jumping too far ahead. But uh, turns out, A, Benny from the Bumby's not dead. And B, he was grooming Famke Jansen. He, Benny from the Bumby is the John Chris Velucci of this universe. <laughs> can we talk about the reveal where they go to his funeral and he just emerges with a John Waters mustache. <laughs> 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 a fucking fedora. Dude. This dude can do literal magic. Dude. He just puts on a mustache. Dude, I'm telling you, watching this movie right after watching Dick Tracy and I see that, I'm just like, what? <laughs> dude, okay. it felt like Psycho, it felt like Psycho Mantis reading my memory card. <laughs> okay, I, I only have very important and that's the scene right before the yes, funeral, when yeah. Scott Bakula goes to the magic club. <laughs> the fucking... The, the house yeah. with oh, all shit. of the magical oh, shit, artifacts yes. where he learns about real magic. <laughs> which, uh... Oh, right! Oh, right! Dude, dude he puts an Asian so dude with him, right? this is a real place. Yeah. Put it on what? the list. Okay. We're going Parker, to there. Parker, we're right. going to Monkey World Parker, in boys trip. We're going to the Montan Bridge. Like, we're gonna take some field trips. We're, it's fine. We're going to the we're going to the oh, Seattle yeah. Underground Tour, <laughs> dude. We we have got to go there. I, I I would love to talk more about the Magic Castle, but I don't want to murder Parker, so we can move on. But that's good because I wanted to talk about my other favorite Magic Castle scene. Please do. Is when he gets into <laughs> with that one magician, <laughs> and the guy stands up and storms out like anyone who wishes to stay in my favor shall leave. And he goes. What accent is that, Brooklyn? He's going, hey, fuck you, alright? <laughs> oh, jeez. But Parker... He's got a fucking tape yeah. and a cane and everything. Uh, Parker, but you didn't talk about the sex scene between Famke Jansen and Scott... Ba- yeah. Oh, you didn't see it, sorry. Alright, so in the next scene... Still haven't scene, gotten pinged yet, which yeah. is interesting. Find out who my real friends are tonight. <laughs> Okay. I want to talk about the magic I, castle. Yeah, I don't know how much of that he heard, Dude. but uh, real place, buddy. We're going. Yeah, we're going. We'll yeah, anything. Parker, you know we're going there, and also the Seattle Underground Tour, and right? also the Mothman Bridge. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. dude, we're in. Yeah, and, <laughs> and also yes. Monkey World. So and uh, <laughs> yeah, wait, is Monkey World the uh, the haunted house from the Seattle <laughs> Special Teams Coach? <laughs> <laughs> So, uh... This door only has three keys. <laughs> we have to find a way hmm, in. I'm reading the ancient runes. It says it communicate by command of high five. <laughs> just giving give a baboon a high five as the side to maul a teenage girl. <laughs> anyway, they are attacked... <laughs> they're attacked by a deadly bloody apparition which kind of looks like the uh after effect of the cgi like blood ripping scenes you're like oh that's like a callback right and it just i i i don't know how to use this as a verb but it sort of geometries itself away like the like that seedy interactive children's version of the encyclopedia britannica just and flies that's away a, that's a polite way of saying corn spooky <laughs> ghost thank you we'll go with exactly that <laughs> And a flashlight in these cotton swaps. Yeah, and Scott, 
It's got Bakula, who, uh, before this all this shit began, was just like the Philip Marlowe of the world. It's just like, help me find the secretly not dead magician. And they're like, okay, he's over here, and he's not buried. He's got a fedora and a John Waters mustache. And then Benny from the Mummy tries to drop a really nice <laughs> car yeah, on him. Just and I'm just like... fucking <laughs> levitating car. It's just Benny from The Mummy with Mozart hair going, I should kill you. What are you trying to do? Fuck Fabka Jansen. It's got back and it's like, what? And then he just drops a car on him. He has to dive away. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah. How do you know that, bro? It's the magic. What the fuck? Wait, how did you... Were you watching us? And, uh... (laughs) And, uh, anyway... Anyway. So, uh, they they were just like, uh, like, okay, hey, could you really help me defeat this guy? Because, like, I have a feeling that your wife's in danger. And Betty from the Mummy goes, okay. And then they decided, like, oh, we'll drive back there. Oh, beans. Once you know it, she got kidnapped again. And, uh... (laughs) So she gets kidnapped, and then one guy, there's like a torture scene, and the guy with like the booty shorts comes back, except now he's got hair, thank goodness. And no eyebrows, though, so. And he kidnaps Famke Jansen and finds where the body is hidden. Like, if you if you want to bury this guy where no one will find him, you should probably, like, kill the people involved with the burial. It's like, I know they probably don't want to die, but, like, unstoppable evil, you know? They'd be into it. Uh, also, also probably true. So, uh... They decide that uh, they're they're gonna like uh, okay we'll dig her up and they see like a little bit of the iron mask Parker you missed out I'll get you the links don't worry about it it's coming and uh, why is it not so it goes it is it is somewhere I've been tricked oh you, are you searching the wrong one because that's what I did I might be <laughs> it's the Lord of One Lord Illusions there we go type Look, it in the mega link I clicked is dead but that's fine that's 576 tell you what oh wait is this the let me make sure yeah this is the right version too looky look at this look how nice I, I am to die. so anyway I, they, I saw it was on Prime and I just assumed that someone Alex watched because he watches point. Prime Trash with me very fair very fair but uh we're going for the good one here so anyway uh she she gets sucked down into a grave and it goes down to I guess this leads back to the trailer park pyramid from the opening scene of the movie and uh looks like all the hippies are following them and uh they're like oh wow maybe this will be a, a good time and they are these people are like grateful dead fans like they are worshiping at his feet and everything and the guy for the beginning of the movie who again alfred molina size revives and he's got when i say zombie makeup i mean like jamaican zombie makeup on you're just like, oh, what did this feel? It's like we're appropriating something here. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, what happens in the scene? Uh, they're all like doing like the Jimi Hendrix, like, well, we worship, we're not worthy sort of thing. And then they get buried to the ground because they're not worthy. And one guy goes, fuck <laughs> you! And he gets buried. It's like, you're not going to win friends and uh, co-workers that way, buddy. I'll tell you that right off I mean, the bat. Literally opens his third eye and just makes a storm happen. Oh, yeah. And, and then he... Uh, and then he recognizes Famke Jansen somehow, and it was just like, she has grown a bit since <laughs> He's then, flying dude. around the room because he hasn't been able to jack off in 30 years. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, okay, so this leads to, like, a weird scene, and I want to, like, interpret this, like, help you guys, like, help me out here. So, like, Benny from The Mummy and uh, Scott Bakula 
the team up of the decade decided to infiltrate this trailer park pyramid and like defeat the bad guy, right? And uh, they're going in there, and there's this the, the guy with the booty shorts and the and the knife and everything. They they beat him. Don't worry about that. They go in there. They're like they confront him, and there's really not a lot of jokes to make here. But at one point, um, the bad guy is like confronting uh, Benny from the Mummy. It's just like, will you join me? And we can like rule as like powerful magicians, right? And Benny from the Mummy is like, oh, okay. And it's just like, what? Do you still have feelings for Famke Jansen? He asks a straight man. Come on! And he's, he's, after all this, he's like, "Will you join me?" He's like, "Uh, sure." And Famke and, 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 and Betty from the Mummy takes like one glance at Famke Jansen's cleavage. It's just like, yeah. And he's like, "Will you never learn?" And he like breaks fucking his arms. Like it, it does like the fucking NFL blitz, like zoom in of the breaking arms and everything, or like the the Mortal Kombat like breaking of limbs and everything. And on the final like syllable, he fucking like explodes his brain. You can see, like, blood gushing from his eyes and everything. For everyone who's listening, it's not that gory. And, uh, by the end of the movie, Scott Bakley comes up to him asking him questions. It's like, do you see what happened to his fucking brain? <laughs> hey, man, how do we stop this? Excuse me. Hello? D- dude. Hello? Yeah. <laughs> He's getting... He, dude, is like a fucking wide receiver for the Lions, all right? That brain's not working very well right now. <laughs> got Austin Collied in the middle of the fucking room. Is this, hey, is this before hey, or after the gigantic cabin the hell opens? Okay. Uh, this is before. This is right before the gigantic chasm hell because uh, Benny from the Mummy, uh, who has an exploded brain at this point, uh, you does this, right? He goes like this. And he like uses this to psychically pick up Scott Bakula. I... I guess he needed that. And he, Scott Bakula, uses his picked-up ability, uh, like he's fucking Glover or something, to uh, grab the bad guy by the face, which is open up his all black and gooey and demonic and stuff like that, and sort of shove him in a pit to hell. And I gotta tell you, this is one of the funniest sound effects that I think I've ever heard, just because of the way that it's cut off. Because you hear this, right? And it just cuts off as he's falling. <laughs> <laughs> and he just falls straight into hell. <laughs> I yeah. kicked my feet like a top <laughs> when the bad guy got thrown into a, a pit that sent him straight to hell. Dude. And then right before he died, he just kind of came up and went, man! <laughs> for one last Dude. fuck you yeah. and turn Benny into bones. <laughs> Good fucking movie, dude. dude I, I I can't get over the scream though. The scream is so fucking good. It's just the, it just stops as he's going past. He's he's falling too long for the scream to last. They had to cut it anyway. Uh, it's good for the this like this like last human moment in there. Uh, anyway, uh, Scott Bakula and Famke Jansen just sort of walk across the desert. It's like the ending scene of that uh, Fulci movie. So, uh, thank you for <laughs> Lord of Illusions. One of, one of the best movies by that I've stumbled upon randomly in a long time. I don't, don't know, know how, how we comes. didn't find like, it. Really. Unless it was Lord Bezos. It, there's just so many things here that, like, yeah. how many times yeah. have at least one of yeah. us been on IMDb looking through fucking Benny from the Mummy's uh, filmography? How did we skip over Lord of Illusions <laughs> Fair. this many times? <laughs> We were just like, yeah, Lord of Illusions, what could that possibly be? Probably a documentary. (laughs) All of my friends owe me an explanation. (laughs) My father has much to answer for, but also this movie. (laughs) 
All right, let's get on to the game of games. Parker's dying here. <laughs> Three thirty in the fucking. <laughs> Well, <laughs> well, <laughs> All right. um, obviously gonna forego the suspense of uh, <laughs> now <laughs> the team records. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> so, um, before anything else, I'm gonna go ahead and assign Chris a movie here. Oh come on! Within my rights. To Jesus, do. I don't even feel like that. Now, uh, now, Chris, when we did our penance earlier, you seemed to think that uh. Um, I trusted you, know, you. Gamer gamer content's not that bad, you know. Sorry, and you just that's... think I suffered the least out of all of us, it's, you know. It's strong. And and you know, I, I kinda understand where you're coming from with that. Like you didn't have the attachment to like Halo and stuff that Parker and I did when we were younger. Like you were probably playing classier games, you yes. know. Uh, not silent. Not the absolute garbage that we did. But uh I wanna I wanna give you a taste of, of what things was were uh were like for Parker and I back in the day. So you are going to watch Pure Ponage, the movie. That's oh well. Uh, wow. Now, uh, Parker, you remember you remember you remember Pure Ponage, right? That's just unlocked a memory. That you know, back, back in the back in the you know the OG fat Xbox days, like in, into the early 360 days. Yeah, back when uh, controllers were made for man hands. By the way. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's really good. You know, they had a really popular web series. They sold a bunch of merch to fucking losers that probably never wore it around a girl. But uh, hey. it's really good that they uh, that they managed to uh, to to cash in on all their fame while the iron was hot in 2016 and make this movie. Oh, you know, 2016 was a great eye. year. Trump got elected. My mom died. It was fantastic. <laughs> Alright, watch this movie, you know, Pure Ponage. They say these things come in threes, Chris. <laughs> Unfortunately. Sometimes it do be like that. Thank you. I won't ask you to rank them after, but Thank, well, I have some guesses. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, um, we do have some uh, some Chris Berman dice to roll. Oh, I wish so we did So I'm didn't. just going to go ahead and get to that. Yeah, one day. I cannot take another week of Manticore. <laughs> you need to kidnap him. You know, I just want to maybe, like, I don't know if Alex has factored into you as the dungeon master of this game, but, like, the fact that... Uh, the, the fact that um, Walt brought back the uh, the fucking Millen grades just for the uh, Taysom Hill extension, is there, like, a is there like a thing there? Do we have to roll a dice for that, or should we just send him hate mail? Um, because that guy's well, a piece of shit doing that. What a fucking coward. Well, I think we're not listening. That, first and foremost, it was a Millen nineteen grade because, of course, it was. Oh, whatever. Um, <laughs> Jesus. And second of all, I'm going to re-roll these read dice <laughs> in, in the in the essence of preserving our honor this week. Thank you. All right, all right. Parker, what could possibly go wrong? That's the same number. Oh, that's what could go <laughs> um, wrong. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Good news or bad news first? Do you want the good news? Yeah, let's go good news. Sure. Good news. The good news is that this space says no more Chris Berman dice will be rolled this week. Wow. Hey, that's good. All right. The bad. The bad news. Yeah. The bad news. Well, depending on where you sit, is uh, what this space says is, for each current division leader that you own you get to assign someone of your choice a movie so okay there are do you want to just tell us i guess yeah i'm gonna yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh so chris chris's division leading titans 
division-leading Cowboys and division-leading Ravens. Parker's oh. division-leading uh, Cardinals God. and division-leading Chiefs. Hey. And my division-leading New England Patriots, uh, division-leading Packers, and division-leading Buccaneers. So that is eight things that are about to be assigned. <laughs> and you can oh, split them up however shit. you would like. Yeah, just assign whoever to whoever. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I got one we right off the bat. You can take turns of... if you want. Uh, yeah, no. However you want to uh, So, uh, Parker, right off the bat, I've mentioned to you that there is another Tom and Jerry movie. Um, Fuck. I believe that it's called... Uh, the Tom and Jerry movie. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Because it's... Uh, yeah, it's called Tom... Boy, this is really not helpful. It's called Tom yeah, and Jerry... a lot of them, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it's called Tom and Jerry the movie. And it's from 1992. So just, like, write down, like, the 1992 version. Deal. It's the musical. So, uh, yeah. Go ahead and watch this one. Uh, that's... I've got three, so I've got two more. Uh, yeah. You don't have to do them all. We can we can take turns if you want. Yeah, I, there's only one that comes immediately to mind uh, okay. that I'd, I'd like to get out of the way before I forget, and then I'll use yeah, more do time it. to think. Do it, do it, do so uh, to Alex, uh, yeah. you like uh, Tim Burton specifically, Big Fish. Uh, that's the like best segue I could possibly lead into. You're going to watch Tim Burton's Dumbo. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, I was. Gonna... <laughs> 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 no. All right, yeah, go ahead and uh, assign me movies. Uh, does this one have songs, sir? Uh, wait, wait, wait. Out. wait, 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 wait. I think wait, was it? What did I say? Dumbo? I don't. I didn't watch yeah. it though. I didn't watch this one. I mean, oh, I saw okay. it. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah me neither. No, that's fine. I mean, that's fine. Okay. whatever. Uh, this this could be worse. Fine. Um, all right. Uh, I will. Okay. What do I got here? Chris, have you seen Osmosis Jones? I have. Sorry. Yeah. All right. I kind of figured. Yeah. Figured I'd shoot that shot while yeah. I had it. All right. Well, in that case. I don't remember if I brought this up off mic last week because I was really drunk, but uh, there is a uh, superhero movie that I thought Chris might appreciate that uh, that I would like to have him watch now. Chris, you're going to watch Captain America, the 1990 version. Uh, okay, I I will admit that I have not. I, I okay, so I think I there's been some question about how I log movies. I have not seen uh -huh. the entire thing. I have seen okay. several bits and pieces, though. So I have a... Okay, that's saying, fine. Well, yeah, that's... Yeah, yeah, totally counts. I've actually kind of been a little bit curious about this. And this has also been one of the ones where I'm like, should I sign this to Parker? But then I remember that I'm a good Christian, and I would never do such a thing. No, of course not. Right. Um... Okay. Okay. All right, let me do this one now while I'm thinking about it. Uh, yeah. Parker, I, uh... I listened to the Shocker episode earlier in the week... Heard that uh, you had watched Doctor No, you know, and that you hadn't seen a lot of Bond movies that you know went back beforehand, and you know, obviously, you are not. Well, I guess you might be crazy enough to watch them all in order, which is a mistake. Don't do it. Okay, uh, that is a Thank lot you. of Roger Moore slog to get through. Ooh. It's very, very okay to jump around the the jump around. connected plot points. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you're gonna watch. You're gonna watch License to Kill. One of the two uh, Timothy Dalton movies. Oh, hey! In, in in my opinion, one of the best action movies of the '80s. All right, so, I'm in. all right. Well, Chris, since you gave me a movie for babies, I will give you a movie for babies <laughs> that I very much enjoyed, which is Joe Dante's Looney Tunes back in action. Oh, finally! All right, okay. That was way too nice. I gotta assign you a okay. good one now. Now, Alex, 
I've also been stumbling through uh, Benny from the Mummy's IMDb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you seen the film No Escape? I don't think so. So this is directed by Martin Campbell of uh, Casino Royale GoldenEye fame. Okay. And uh, let me just give you the plot here. A soldier convicted for murdering his commanding officer is dumped and left to die on a prison island. Inhabited okay. by two camps of convicts. <laughs> Let me just run down some of these actors here. We got uh, Ray Liotta, Lance Hendrickson, <laughs> Kevin Dillon, <laughs> Kevin J. O'Connor, Ernie Hudson. Even if this movie sucks, I feel like you'll get something out of it. Say no more. No escape. <laughs> I heard about it earlier this week, and then I saw our good friend was in it, and I feel like fate told me to assign it to you. Alright. Okay. Now what do I want to do here? not a particularly nice list of things that I have left. I'll let Chris go first. To see okay, uh, so Parker, I have a question for you. Were you a Nickelodeon guy or a Cartoon Network guy? Uh, Nickelodeon when I was younger, Cartoon Network as I got older. Alright, well, uh, Okay, in that case... Uh, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in that case, I'd like to assign you that documentary that I keep talking about that I, I've actually never heard anyone else talk about. It's called The Orange Years and... Uh, okay. I think I have it somewhere on here. So, uh, somewhere, yep, there it is. And, oh, it's in 1080p. Hope you got good Wi-Fi. So, here we go. I, I, I happen to think that this is really good and it's really interesting. Again, you can talk about them smoking weed and all that. So, Alright, alright. I know what I'm going to assign. Okay. Because I think this is something that Chris will actually appreciate. Okay. Uh, now, you know, as as the listeners know, you are quite the dad rock aficionado. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> so, I would have to assume, as somebody that enjoys what you would consider to be good music, you probably don't like the Eagles. It's it's complicated. It's Alright, <laughs> so you're gonna watch the, the History of the Eagles documentary. It's a two-parter, it's like three hours long, but it's one of the best documentaries that I've seen. Okay, that is, yeah. I, I think you will really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Because, again, it's another one of these music documentaries where they, like, really get into it. Like, they yeah. get into, like, all of the nitty-gritty of, like, this band and, like, their rise to fame and then how they all came to absolutely fucking hate each other. Yeah. Which... Yeah, go ahead. See, that's the thing is, like, what I, I think I mentioned that, like, my appreciation of dad rock comes from my dad. Like, you have to understand, like, what he likes is more or less what I'm going to like. Uh, like, right. I, I don't like the Rolling Stones. My dad doesn't like the Rolling Stones. There's a couple of Rolling Stones songs I can get into, but that's about it. My dad does not like the Eagles, but I really like Hotel California, and uh, I really like Joe Walsh's stuff. My dad's like, yeah, Joe Walsh was only good once he left the Eagles, so I am fairly interested to watch this. And you know what? I think uh, ordinarily you'd be like, oh, God, Alex designed me a three-hour documentary. What the fuck? I think I'd actually be into this because every once in a while I'll watch, especially a documentary on a musician, I'll be like, dude, I need so much more. I'm so much more interested in this. Why are you cutting off now? So I'm, I'm kind of into this, so thank you. Right. And I, I, I do, like, I'm... I'm been thinking about watching it again myself recently because i haven't seen it in a few years yeah um of the variety of like bands that were really really big at a certain time when being a really really big band made you a fucking psychopath like mm -hmm. this is the best of those documentaries that i've seen right. so yeah I, and from what i understand like i am i wouldn't call myself an eagles fan i do like some of their hits because they do have a lot of fucking hits it's hard to like not like three or four of them just by you know, right yeah random fucking yeah. chance yeah you don't but, have to call yourself an eagles fan you are alive 
car. Yes. Um, <laughs> I say, are they going to touch on Jalen Hurts at all? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was just going to let Christian. It was too easy. Come on. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, no. The one thing that I've heard about this documentary is people disagree whether you get more out of this if you absolutely love the Eagles or absolutely hate the Eagles, which I think is like a huge, huge compliment to pay to it. So, yeah. Curious to hear your thoughts on this one. Now let's uh, let's let's draft and shuffle up some teams and get the hell out of here so Parker can sleep. Sleepy boy. All right. I only had two leaders. That's right. F in the chat for your boy. <laughs> yeah, you hate to see it, but yeah, I figured eight assignments going out at once. We don't need to continue uh, <laughs> assigning things after that. That's a little bit too mean. These lists are getting long. Um, all right. If you guys could pull up your spreadsheets. Oh shit. <sighs> Oh, oh, that's right. Uh, Chris, uh, because you did not win, you have to watch a Sasquatch movie for the Sasquatch space. Okay, I already got one. I figured. Uh, you can change got that two. Sasquatch space to whatever you want, buddy. Oh, that is... Uh, can we write on that? We'll come back to that one. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Um, make it like Star Wars right. space, I guess. Yeah, I am going to... So because I won, I'm going to swap one of my teams with each of you, and then Parker can swap one of his teams with Chris, and then we'll throw teams into the pot. Okay. Okay, I let's change it to, to, like, a European movie. A European movie? Yeah, but, like, this could be, like, like very broad. So you could make it Deuce Bigelow, European Gigolo, Damn, if you want to. Also Euro Trip, if you want. <laughs> All right. There's no way I'm going to get rid of these Falcons unless I force someone else to take them. Ah. I'm going to swap... I am going to swap the Falcons for uh, Parker's Rams. And I am going to swap uh, the Cleveland Browns and Faker Gayfield for... Um, <laughs> Swap them for the Ravens. I'm texting that to, to Josh right now. Have you? Is that the, your first exposure to Faker Gayfield? I've never. <laughs> it was the seriousness with which you said. It. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Parker, you can swap one of your teams for yeah. one of Chris's teams. Can I immediately flip the Falcons, or is that not in the spirit? Yeah, you're allowed. Yeah, go ahead. Well, in that case, uh. You know what? It'll be an even trade. Falcons for Lions. <laughs> I, I have a guess what? on who's not winning on Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's me. Okay, so uh, do I get to flip or... I want the Lions back. Uh, you do not get to flip, but you can throw two of these teams into the pot. Okay, alright. I want to get rid of the... Oh, get rid of the Falcons. And... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Is everyone giving away the fucking Falcons? That's a good bit. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, like, oh, it just make Chris take the back. All right, and uh, let's get rid of the Giants. I can't play football. Dude, every hey, time Red Zone cuts to the Lions and I see their record, I, just <laughs> I always forget about the and one. It's so good. All right. All right, so Parker, awesome I'm going to I'm gonna toss your Saints into the pot. figure that's nice of me. And you can pick two of your own teams to throw in there. Lose my Broncos, obviously. <laughs> right, that's I'm scared of losing my Titans. Oh, Jets and Jags, please. <laughs> Let's just uh, <laughs> oh, toss those boys in there. 
Alright. Oh, yeah. Well, now I'm gonna gotta throw in three of my own now, so can it's gonna be the Texans. Can you, like, throw in the Dolphins? And. And. Oh, God. I have just the most mediocre teams matched. <laughs> no, you've got some All good right, like, ones there. Like, you should throw the Colts away, but also. I'm getting rid of the Steelers. Fuck the Steelers. Yeah, that's probably yeah, a good idea. That's actually the, that's the, the, that's the pull. That's the tech. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so, Chris, you're going to get first pick. I get. Oh, we get a pick we're not spending anymore? Yeah, oh, God. These uh, these teams aren't very good, are they? <laughs> well, you get you, your first choice in these oh, nine spaces. I'm going to take the Steelers. <laughs> All right. It's probably the pick. Yeah. Oh boy! Oh boy! Slim Pickens here. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take the Falcons back. <laughs> <laughs> if the Falcons aren't the last pick after European movie. <laughs> I was about to take European movie first. <laughs> <laughs> I was considering it, dude. That was that was a real like even odds. I was just like, ah, fuck it. I'm gonna watch one anyway. <laughs> you know what? Let's see those Freddy Kitchen Giants, baby. Yeah, <laughs> Let's <boy>. start cooking. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm gonna take the European movie. Damn it! I really <laughs> wanted it. Oh, You're that was smart. That was really smart. Oh man! <laughs> I was gonna do it, and then you guys talked about it. Like, yeah, you're just like, God right. damn! Oh, I should have done right, that. Chris, you have your choice of some real winners here. Yeah, I know, man. Oh boy. Well, you know what? The Texans are hot. Let's go and take them. <laughs> <laughs> Coming off a big win. Yeah. <laughs> oh god! Just looking at these teams is hurting. <laughs> For those listening at home, we have the Falcons, the Saints, the Jaguars, the Jets, and the Dolphins remaining. <laughs> Where do the Dolphins play this week? That's a good question, yeah. One of the matchups here. Oh shit, I should look at who's on bye. Yeah, I get there's, huh? <laughs> That's the value. You take the bye. Yeah, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> Actually, hang on, hang on, hang on. Wait a second, wait, 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 wait. So, Parker, no, the Panthers are very good. You should. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I know oh the Chiefs God. are on by. Yeah, the Chiefs are. Yeah, the Chiefs yeah. and Cardinals are on by. Why does the fucking NFL.com take so long to load? This website's worthless. Yeah, I hate it. Yeah, Cardinals and Chiefs are on by. God damn it! No, neither of them are gonna be fucking up. Yeah, um, let's see. Dolphins play the Panthers, so you know one of those okay, teams. Take the Dolphins, who cares? I'm that's, not taking the Saints the right. back. Yeah. It okay. takes all the fun out of it. Falcons. I'll take the Saints back. It's fine. All right, okay. I'll take the Saints. Falcons, Falcons Jaguars, Jags, Jets. Jets. All right, hold up. There's got to well, be. The Jets are playing the Texans, so, so I'm not going to yeah, win I'm if you back, take the Jets. Yeah, I've done. <laughs> yeah, that worked for you. Oh my! Oh my God! The Jaguars are playing the Falcons. Yeah, the Jaguars ja- are playing who? Fa- the Falcons. Oh God! <laughs> I'm taking the Jags. I'm taking my Jags. Fuck. <laughs> oh man. Well. Well. Jets. 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 God damn. This didn't go the way that you planned, did it, Manicore? I, I'm like sitting here like feeling guilty because my teams are too good because of this stupid format, and I'm still mad about the Falcons. <laughs> God, 
Alex's team is so we fucking stacked right now. Good, we could have taken your good teams, but I wasn't gonna not take the Lions. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Brain is damaged permanently. Oh. <laughs> All right, what are we doing next week? I'm working 50 hours. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Oh, all right. Well, okay. We got a week off due to Cyber Monday and stuff. So it's just not going to be a fun. Yeah, I think we've heard it. I think so. Yeah. This yeah. this episode's fucking long enough as it is. Okay. We'll see you guys when we see you. Take it easy. Just catch up on a bunch of assignments. That'll be our new episode. That's the tea, sis.